0: Welcome back to We Want More, the Harry Potter and Methods of Rationality Fan Fiction Analysis Podcast, a subsidiary of Doof Media. I'm Steven Zuber, and today we've got
1: Brian Deakin. Hi everybody.
0: And Daniel, you can go next. Daniel Nadolny. And nice Justin. Meet you.
2: <laughs> Hi everyone. Justin Marchand here. Glad yeah, to be was, with you.
0: There was no way to like, you know, if we're all in a room, we could just point to people. I was pointing at names, but no one could tell. So I appreciate the test. Yes. This is our uh, retro for book four, which I realized after we finished recording last night that there is in fact six books, not five. <laughs> so we're having a retro for book five eventually when that one shows up too. Where,
1: uh, the, where was the breakoff between? Where did four end?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm never clear on any four, four ended, ended on the on the 84. in eighty four. In eighty okay.
1: four, yeah, yeah, they don't. Yeah, they don't. To me, I think that's sort of like an like a artifact of how they were published. That they were broken. It was, it was an artifact like, of
0: how they were divided after publishing. I think part of what people wanted to do was make physical copies of it, and you can't make a seventeen thousand or seventeen hundred page book, so they just found good idea, demarcations where, like, there's some thematic differences and stuff. Sense. Yeah,
1: because I mean, they don't, they don't. Well, they obviously don't feel like individual stories, but they don't even sort of like break up. Uh, they don't, uh, yeah. And like, actually, there, yeah, I did a good really job crazy. of being so. Like his episode, there are definite sort of like arcs and and episodics in between the chapters, but like in big chunks, uh, there aren't any kind of major gradations. Totally, or maybe sort of like pre azkaban post azkaban but that's kind of about it. It's like in at least in my head.
0: Right. And before we dive in, and we're kind of just going to freeform this one, so everyone buckle up and enjoy. But As I do have like,
1: regular episodes. That's right.
0: Uh, but I'd just remind everybody that I haven't received a single entry for the fan art contest. This episode will be coming out on the 17th. So if I don't have any by then, I'm gonna be pretty put out, you guys. If I don't have any by the end of the month, we're not no one's gonna get the prize money. Remember there's a hundred. Daniel,
2: Daniel, do you also feel called out a little bit right now? Like okay. when you were invited on this podcast, yeah. and now Stephen chooses to call out the fan base for not putting in enough effort.
3: I actually tried to submit something, but it was rejected.
2: Oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what did you try I to submit? To make, or... Oh, uh, the world, but you just dismissed it out. Of, oh, yeah.
0: What yes, is yes, art, that, it true. has to be, it has to fit in an email. Uh, didn't you also ask about <laughs> interpretive dance or something? Or is that somebody else? I liked somebody, it. There was just a bunch of suggested that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'd be. If somebody records themselves
1: doing an interpretive dance, that's I, completely I, valid. Used,
3: used to take All Ukrainian stuff, dance yeah. lessons. So I know some equivalent of breakdancing moves.
0: Well, that's, that sounds tight. Yeah. I mean, I think anything that, you can send in an email will works. So <laughs> all right. Whether or not it can is the other thing.
1: You'll have to, you know, put up an honest fight against like random puppet show, but mm. I think it's still still valid entry. All right. We'll take it. All right. Well that's my dance dance and, puppet show.
3: Makers and choosers.
0: That's my only meta note for the episode. So um oh, man, I thought give, this
3: whole episode was
4: meta <laughs>
0: I'll give my my quick introduction. Daniel I we we shouted him out when we finished it, but he set up this uh Slytherin sy- delivery system message for uh, Brian and I to do like this puzzle sol- riddle solving game online, which was
1: a lot of fun. It was super cool. It was very well done, Daniel. By the way, I'm but, really glad that you two enjoyed it. I really was. was I was. I was actually disappointed that we were done with it. But well, are you I'm like Are you sure you're done with it? Oh, uh-huh.
0: there's there. It's going to keep coming forever. I guess. <laughs> uh. And Daniel, like me, has been a scholar of this book for years. Years, right? Got to be.
3: Yeah, uh, I yeah. got into it when it was still, when new chapters were coming out.
0: Nice. Yeah, you got to feel the pain and the struggle with the rest of us. That's right. And then Justin, unlike uh, Daniel, is he's in the Brian boat. He started, when did you oh, start? I,
2: I started probably about a month after you guys started posting episodes. I wasn't sure if I was going to do it at first. Uh, I don't usually read fiction. I, uh, haven't read any fiction in probably uh, over 10 years now. Um, oh, wow. that's it, you know, law school wow. and, and, yeah. um, you know, college forced uh, high school readings really kills your love of, of just reading a book for pleasure. Um, but I, I do actually read some nonfiction, uh, but I hardly ever pick up any fiction at all. So at first I wasn't going to do it, but you know steven just wouldn't leave me alone so i was like okay well i'll give it a shot and uh know it's been it's i'm really glad i did it because i enjoyed especially like i mean i i enjoy the book but i think i enjoy even more keeping up with the podcast as it goes along i i, I really do enjoy that and you're like so. and you're just
1: following along like so you and i are basically in the same spot in the story
2: yeah and i mean i i listened through um whatever episode you guys have either posted or sometimes i'll i'll do the episodes like a, as the episode is going to be posted the the readings for the following week um it it depends but you know i'll go back and forth so i've read through 85 and that's as far as i've gone uh mm-hmm. so i've been trying to stay away from spoiling it at all and, and just going with the podcast nice
0: uh, that's the I, think
2: I home that,
0: I, I'm glad that we can provide that experience. I don't think it's the optimal way to have this experience because I I got to do this with uh, Ward, which was Wildbo's second parahumans book, and uh, Matt and Scott did like kind of this for Worm, but it had already been wrapped up, and so uh, and I'd read Worm and then I listened to We've Got Worm later, and you can tell by the name similarity that we totally ripped off their podcast, um, but with the, but with their blessing and. It's like for me, half the fun of reading Ward was enjoying them talking about it. And if we're doing anything like that to any degree for somebody, that makes me happy. Um, and to be clear, I only peer pressured you like maybe twice to read this. So,
4: did you <laughs> was with the... peer
2: pressure, <laughs> guys? I can't. I cannot state enough how much he would not leave me alone. Um, also, Stephen, Stephen, the Lord, to-
1: so His his suggestions have the power of the force behind them. That the power to move you.
2: But you know, I haven't I haven't done I haven't read uh was it Worm or Ward either, so I may do that as well. I know they're not coming out with episodes anymore. At least I don't think they are, right? But uh, no, but,
0: uh, but you can get well, the same experience.
2: Yeah, so I might do that as well. Nice. You know, and yeah. then I can do it at my own pace. I don't have to wait week by week like it's T V in the nineties. I can actually <laughs> like just binge the whole thing quickly.
0: An episode a week is, is surprisingly hard. I don't know how Scott and Matt they uh I think Scott does three podcasts a week um they, wow. and they're just able to burn the wow. candle at both <laughs> ends and crush it i i don't have that kind of bandwidth well let me rephrase that i don't have that kind of energy
2: um <laughs> yeah i've been on this podcast for 12 minutes and i'm already to, ready to leave i don't know how they do it
3: <laughs> I, i'm hoping to start one actually that this thing has inspired me to, to do one so we'll see how that goes
1: nice it is weird how much time we can like like we'll it's like almost like a four to one the amount of time it takes for us to read it and the amount of time we talk about it yeah it's like four to one yeah because we'll do like three we've even got just like completely unhinged about it because we'll go to like three hours now over what's like 30 to 45 minutes of reading right it's just like yeah. english class <laughs> right talk, oh more
2: jokes though in
3: english
0: class uh, in my I, I it depends on the class
1: you're just in the wrong english class yeah that's right
0: <laughs> <laughs> Justin, I had one more question for you. Did you have any familiarity if you don't read fiction? Did you read Harry Potter or see the movies or have any idea what the hell is going on?
2: Yeah, you know, that's one of the few uh, book series I actually read. I have a weird history with it because I started reading it around the time the fourth book came out. which I don't remember what year that was, but I was pretty young. I was probably like, I don't know, 12 or something. And uh, I read them as they were coming out because eventually I caught up pretty quick because I did really like them at first. And I caught up. Around the fifth book, read the sixth one when it came out. But by the time the seventh one came out, I had kind of lost interest in the series, and so I still to this day have never read the seventh book. I've seen the seventh movie, and I know how it ends and all that. But I've I never read the seventh book because by the time it came out, I I was like in my late teens. I kind of just lost interest.
0: Fun fact: you have that in common with the author. He never finished the seventh book. Seventh book either. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I, I think it's
0: safe to say that you're
3: currently reading the definitive work. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't always thing. read fan fiction, but when I do, it's Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. Uh, that's the only. Yeah, how, fan did, how, did you, how did you come
0: across this, Daniel? I know how Justin did because I, I peer pressured him. Yeah. But how did you find I, it?
3: I think. So my brother used to—I'm not sure—maybe he still does, but uh, definitely used to go on Less Wrong and some affiliate websites, and I think might have mentioned it to me. And then uh, I, I didn't check it out, but I, I think I came across it on Reddit at one point. Somebody said, "Oh, there's the story where Harry Harry is uh, trying to figure out use science to figure out the rules of magic." Uh, so I was intrigued by that, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I yeah, I liked it from the start. And O'Brien had a more tumultuous beginning.
1: <laughs> had you? Were you? Uh, had you already read fan fiction before? Was this no, just like I this? Know, this, yes. this was my first
3: fan fiction. Uh, Same. Same. Yeah,
2: it it's also mine. At least in a serious way. I mean, I may have read like a really short fan fiction at some point, but this is the only one I've read that has any length to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was the the first one, and I'd say the majority of fan fictions I've read are subsidiaries of this one. Um, with like a notable exception, probably being the work of uh, like Alexander Wales. He did a Terminator one that involved lots of cool time travel fuckery, and most uh, saliently for me, Metropolitan Man, the Superman fanfic. Yeah, and that one's only story. thirteen chapters. I, I, but, hope I mean, they're not- long chapters, but it's it's a uh, it's not quite the um, investment that this one is. I hope you to
3: uh, talk about that at some point.
0: i Much definitely trying to make something happen. Yeah.
3: It's a it's a good story, uh, Brian. It's shorter though. It, yeah, it's short.
0: Well, right, way shorter. shorter.
2: <laughs> well, I'd be done with it quick. That's Brian's first question.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, no. How it shakes out? So that'll be our bonus
1: content on the DVD extras. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's definitely an option. Uh, we do have a bonus content channel, which uh, at some point there's going to be released an episode of me talking about The Last of Us Two. It's not out yet, Scott. Um, but we're recording on whatever, Tuesday, the 11th. So it's got until almost a week to come out before this is totally a, you know, just barking up a tree with no one in it kind of complaints. So
1: solid metaphor, dude.
0: Yeah, I totally lost it on that. I'll <laughs> be honest. I got distracted. My headset cord got caught in my leg when I was adjusting in the chair. So I just, I dropped the ball and caught something else. All right. Speaking of bad transitions, let's, let's, uh, move into story stuff so justin I'm, I'm curious about your um i don't know thoughts and exposure like i don't know whatever about your experience of reading the book because uh i daniel and i i think had just about the same kind where we read this we're like oh this is fucking tight and sure you know the protagonist has like problems but that's supposed to be the case and that doesn't really bother me and like you know the other the other thing is that you know if he goes in stomps around and gets his way like you kind of want that because he's like the hero um i don't want to put too many words in your mouth daniel but
2: uh brian didn't oh, have a reading experience i, I thought so, brian I was, was going
3: to make an inappropriate joke
2: there <laughs> things in probably take the opportunity to make the inappropriate joke
1: there's only one way to find out if it's
2: inappropriate
0: i agree nice and so justin what was your uh i don't know your experience reading this
2: Well, so far, I mean, I do enjoy, I'll say right out front that I do enjoy the book. Um, It has been, like, I wouldn't have kept going this far if I didn't like it. Um, Like I said before, I was joking when I said that uh, Stephen had pressured me a whole bunch to read it. Uh, You know, he he put me on to it, but it wasn't real pressure. But I, um, I wasn't actually anticipating reading it, and so the only reason that I've kept up with it is that I do enjoy the book. Uh, but I will say that there's some there's some weird aspects of it that are, I won't say hard to get over, but uh, that make it a bit of a strange reading experience. Uh, one thing that you know sticks out to me immediately is even though I've never I don't really read fiction, I do watch a lot of fiction. I've watched a lot of movies typically in a in a movie structure you have kind of like one story that the movie tells and it, and it kind of all leads up to this one uh ending or, or resolution and i guess it's possible that this book is doing that as well but it it is instead it seems more like a series of vignettes of uh of things that that kind of happen that involve our main character but there's there's not really a a good solid Arc that is just kind of like overarching everything. Uh, maybe that will reveal itself in the end. I obviously don't know yet, uh, but it is a little strange reading a, a story that just kind of moves forward rather than leading to a conclusion. If that makes well, so sense. You
1: know, to me, it feels like it is like like it, it so sort of totally is like having all these little like kind of mini stories, but like that's sort of like the background going on. Well, because to me it does feel like. The the central thing is what the fuck is the deal with Quirrell and Voldemort? Especially because Voldemort is just like hanging, you know, uncertainty in the background the whole time. Like everybody's talking about Voldemort, but you know, where is he? He hasn't said anything.
2: But usually, your you know, your main villain shows up fairly early on, at least in part. Uh, But you know, maybe fully reveals himself by the third act. But here we are, very far into this thing, and Voldemort has yet to make any appearance that we're you know, consciously aware of, and it's, it's a little strange. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's not really a criticism. It's just uh, uh, something that I would note is that it is not a very typical structure. I realize that it's kind of the point that, you know, this is about um, the really on, on a thematic level is about teaching uh, methods of rationality. Um, I get that, but it, as a fictional story, it is, it is a strange structurally.
1: Um, I guess Steve, when when it came out, was there a point that the kind of community like collectively decided, oh Quirrell is Voldemort? Uh, um, are we there yet?
0: I like if there was a point, I, I guess I can neither confirm nor deny I, that.
1: I, I just, like, are you asking that, for spoilers? <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I, if, if I answer that
0: completely... question, if I answer that question, I tell you
1: whether or not Quirrell is Voldemort, right? Um, yeah, because I'm really wondering right yes brian
2: shut up man
1: come
3: on that's the equivalent of asking what is it do you still
1: beat your donkey that's
3: yeah right i think being your wife is the typical one never
1: stopped beating his wife
0: oh god (laughs) wow uh thanks for that one that was a nice drive-by um all right so moving on from that that was a we were talking about bad jokes earlier that's that's a bad joke um <laughs> no, I, I think that's an interesting thought, Justin. I always like getting different perspectives. Like I, I've definitely read um read and like consumed other media that takes more of like a vignette style thing. Like I just watched uh what was it? The Hateful Eight, the uh yeah. Quentin Tarantino movie. And that, that one's like Tarantino is really good at doing like the, here's the whole story. And then, oh, here it is. You know, here's actually setting it up from a different angle sort of thing.
2: Well, Tarantino is one of those kinds of directors who can get away with it. There, there are very few directors who make films that have either an in order, like a, a, a structure like his, which is out of order or, or one that has no real order. Uh, I mean, th- those do exist, but they're pretty few and far between. And it, it does make for a strange experience, but there there are some who are really good at it. There's no doubt at it. And Tarantino is a good example of that. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those formulas that you don't see too many people stray from. And that's just one thing that I've noticed in reading this is that, you know, Yadkowski seems like a good writer overall but it's strange that his first real foray into fiction takes such an odd structural approach. Um, It's not really odd when you consider the point of the book, but still from a fictional standpoint, it's a bit strange.
1: That's what I had asked about, like because like knowing that quote, quote unquote, knowing that Quirrell is Voldemort, then this does sort of feel like it's in kind of just like the traditional kind of act Four where we are now, like tensions building up and like we haven't, we haven't hit the, you know, the big, you know, final conflict or whatever, but like that knowledge that like, okay, this is Voldemort and what the hell is he up to and how is that going to resolve like that? Then it all does, it feels like less strange, kind of more traditional kind of storytelling. Right. Um, but, and so that's why I asked like, but I guess, yeah, if you, if you are reading it and like wondering all, well, like, you know, where's Voldemort and, and what the fuck is the deal with Quirrell? And um, then it would still feel weird, but that, but, but that's to me, I, I don't know that if I just Latched on. I think a lot of it um, getting so much. Uh, I don't know, if feedback is the right word, but being kind of getting so much emphasis on that, there is a that there is a trick to the book. Then, like looking out for it more, it sort of you know once once it occurred to me, then you can kind of see like oh, all of the little. You know, things along the way. What really like nailed that, which gives me like very little doubt about it, are all the, not even so much like large plot points, but the, the little moments where like Yudkowsky sort of couldn't resist like saying, you know, putting some clever little phrase into something. And that there's a lot of those which um, don't stand out as like major plot points, but they're because they're so just kind of like conspicuously chosen wordings. A lot of time around, you know, like shattered souls and, you know, copies of people and um, that you're like, oh, okay, that's totally what's going on here. I would love. That to is hear- also
0: just like regular language. I'll maintain, you know, like I. Mean, it, it, but I, I do like where you're reading it from. Um, sorry, Daniel. What were you going to say? No,
3: I, I. At some point, I would love to hear Justin's thoughts on on Brian's theories, uh, and also Brian. So, uh, in terms of um, conflict in stories that Justin was bringing up with this, the typical structure. Are you familiar? So, I think there's the the standard. You know, protagonist versus um, self versus uh, other human versus nature. Are you familiar with that way of thinking of
1: conflict in stories? Uh, not, no, not framed like that. No. Okay.
3: Uh, th- there are a few few ways of different ways of thinking about conflict, and sometimes it's referred to as man in kind of the traditional human sense of the word man. But man versus nature, man versus man, man versus self are are some of the major ones. So I was wondering if you thought about things along those lines and what those major conflicts might be. If you were using that kind of thinking with it.
1: I hadn't thought uh, – so I hadn't so much dropped this into like a – like some like traditional, you know, sort of archetypal way of telling stories. Well, I guess a little bit in that it's like – so this to me, I guess we're going to call it like man versus self or whatever. Like this is sort of kind of very explicitly like um, – I keep coming back to the three mono of Palmer Eldritch, like, that, like, there's multiple Harry slash Voldemort slash quarrels floating around, and that they're all, so this is sort of like Harry having, you know, hashing shit out with himself. Um, and I still like, and that's, so I sort of like have that broad concept of like, we keep getting, you know, very I mean, explicit hints is kind of the wrong term for it, but like the sort of little, like, inside joke, you know, winking at the camera things about, oh, Harry is a piece of Voldemort, like that keeps kind of being called out, but we still, I still don't know like, like specifically what, because that could be anywhere from just like Harry's, like from the original where you know, just kind of Harry and uh, Voldemort just had this kind of Vulcan mind meld thing. Like they could just sort of like, you know, hear echoes of each other's thoughts versus like, oh, these are just literally the same person. Hmm. Um, It could be kind of anywhere between. And so I still don't like, 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 how does that play out? As far as significance of the plot, or what does it, you know, mean, and like, what are the specifics around it? So I don't know, but it does feel very much like this is sort of like Harry grappling with himself and sort of seeing this like funhouse mirror, sort of like the, you know, ghost of Christmas future of like, oh my god, I could turn into this psycho asshole if I keep this up.
3: That I'm curious what Justin thinks about all that. Uh, Are you on board with Brian's theories? And Um, and in
2: a sense, yeah, I think it's mainly kind of the opposite, though. I do think that most of what um, the author is trying to accomplish is to uh, point out the flaws in others' thinking, um, more so than the main character's own thinking. Uh, but there are definitely moments where uh, Harry is... I mean, it's very explicit later uh, in a chapter very recently where um, Harry had that internal monologue about you know him hurting Dumbledore and him fighting with himself about, you know, why would you do that? I mean, that was very obviously a shitty thing to do. Even the most evil part of you internally realized that this was a horrible thing to do, and you did it anyway. And that is, you know, better than that. But for the most part, I think it's mostly Harry kind of critiquing those around him. I don't really know how to describe that in those kinds of, like, um, you know, english 101 terms like man versus himself or whatever but um it seems that the main function of the protagonist is to go around and um sort of not not correcting like in a really arrogant way even though he can't be arrogant sometimes but to go around and and sort of point out the flaws and how people view the world um so yeah, yeah i
4: find that, that answer uh, your
2: question
3: yeah. Go that's great. Sorry. Go ahead, uh, Stephen.
0: No, you're good. Okay. I don't know if it's too late. I'm going to put a note in the time here. Justin, do you have headset, headphones plugged into the computer by chance?
2: No, I don't. It's something.
0: I mean, sounding. Sometimes. I don't know if you have any easily accessible or not.
2: Uh, I, I do, if you want to give me just a second. Right, let's why. take What's it from the, the top. Uh,
0: <laughs> there's some feedback. and it, it, uh, There's actually software built in that cancels that, but I think it's... Uh, Working over time, like basically, whenever one of us talks shortly around when you're talking, it shows up on yours, and that's going to create an echo in the recording.
2: All right, I'll, I'll go. I'll be right back.
0: Thanks, okay. Take your time.
3: Should we just hang out then? Is that no, no, no? What,
0: what you, keep keep rolling. Okay. Um, I yeah, right. it'd be confusing to have a bunch of different tracks to then sync up later. I'm going to just yeah, that would be confusing. Out.
3: Uh, maybe I'll take the opportunity and ask Brian how your daughter did with the cognitive reflections test. Uh,
1: did, which.
3: Did you, so, there were three yeah. questions, for example um one of them is uh you have a bat and a ball that together cost a dollar and ten cents
1: oh yeah um yeah, how did she do so she i can't she did get it, and I'm not sure I can't remember how much so she mostly got it. I think I sort of nudged her along a yeah. little bit but she I mean she so she I mean she did definitely get it. Um, i I was doing things sort of like like sort of you know re-asking the question to her like well if x costs whatever then how much um you know whatever but i think like especially like those sorts of like little gamey quizzes i think maybe if like when she's older i would do that but i think that's kind of like a lot of the disconnect with when people were talking about that it's like she's my 11 year old daughter so i'm not going to be like ha ha you dumb bitch <laughs> um, I don't like, so oh, like I mean, think anything like that. I'm gonna be sort of it's you know, it's sort of like perpetually in these teaching moments right. with your kids. So it's always yeah. like, you know, if I'm asking her a question, I'm helping her also. Yes, I understand.
3: No, I'm I'm not not a parent, uh, but I, I'm sure the shouting you dumb bitch would be uh that that's one that's great parenting. That's how I plan <laughs> on raising
2: my kids.
3: <laughs> and that's my apologies strong. for the language. I'm not used to swearing <laughs> out loud. Well, that's not true. I sometimes you know, it's like, oh, fuck. But,
2: character. Right. That's right. Am I producing feedback still? I just put the headphones in.
0: No, it looks better. I appreciate it. Okay. No problem. Cool. Um, can you hear us okay? Is it too loud? Is it too soft? Nope. You're good.
4: I'm okay. Good. Yeah.
0: Headphones are perfect. All right. So, I'm, yeah, I think, Brian, like the, the interesting thing about that, what was it called, Daniel? The
3: cognitive the, reflections the, task.
0: Yeah. Uh, test. So, the, the real trick to those, or like the real value is that. Like when you think about it, um, if you get time to think about it for more than a few seconds, people tend to get the right answer. It's when they give an immediate answer that those are wrong, and that's the. uh, There's a great book called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, where he sums up a lot of the fun research he and Amos Tversky did in I don't know the second half of the 1900s, and that's that's where a lot of the the history of cognitive biases and heuristics came out of and and was incorporated into the beginning of the rationalist uh, canon, I guess, Um, being aware that there are like these deliberate and identifiable failures that our brains do Um, like not, not just like it's, it's simplistic and arrogant to say people suck at thinking what it is, is that it turns out we can reliably fail in predictable ways. And that's, that's the interesting thing that once you become aware of those, it's like, well shit, what if I don't want to do that? And then that's, that's largely what, Uh, I don't know, I would say a third of the rationality focus is, is overcoming bias. Um, I was curious, Justin, you had said that like the author was mainly interested in pointing out how other people think poorly, but that doesn't seem to be the point of the protagonist. Um, And it's hard for me to not like bias myself with, you know, how aware I am of like, not just the whole book, but the rest of like the larger rationality community. Um, cause it, it would be, it, it's interesting that that's your take. I'm not saying it's the least bit wrong. I just think it's, it's highly interesting. Cause like the, the main thing about like the practice of rationality is that you, like I, like I, I guess have, this is actually a good segue of the last minute and a half of me talking. Like it's, it's not so much about like other people suck. It's man, I suck at this. How can I do better? Um,
2: yeah, and I, I mean, you of- rarely
0: has those thoughts. Maybe that's the, the thing
2: uh yeah and i mean but well he he has them in in his actions at the very least i mean he definitely criticizes people a fair amount uh am, am i um am i missing you what you're saying I'm, I'm not quite sure i'm answering your
0: no i think you i think you're i was just more kind of processing what you said out loud um but no it's it's fun and i i like everyone's take on stuff He
1: kind of he kind of, uh, like, so he's- it sort of shifts from like he's like, Oh, look how irrational all you dumbasses are to kinda of Harry more like pointing it at himself, which feels like like that's sort of like one of the core concepts, like you know, how is how am I doing this to myself? Um, so it's like both. And that's sort of like what, what was a lot of my confusion this whole thing is like there. there's not one Harry. Like Harry changes through this. And so the things to like or dislike about Harry are not, you know, how who is this character, Harry Potter, and what do you like or dislike? It's, you know, Harry at what point as he's changing, what do you like or dislike about what he's doing?
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's like nice to have a character with growth, like with a growth arc. Um, if, if, you know, like, I, I enjoyed the character of Harry in the first dozen chapters when it was like, you know, and part of the, uh, like what Justin was talking about earlier with like the vignette style writing, like the the book originally spawned as like a, I'm trying, the author trying to overcome writer's block. And it's like, well, for some reason I'm good at writing fucking Harry Potter fan fiction. I might as well just start publishing a bit of that and get my writer's block uh, fixed taken care of. And then uh, it's sort of grew into its own story. And that's kind of why the, the tone changes about, I don't know, 20% of the way in. Um, cause it's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to take this more seriously and, and do more stuff. And in particular, I think with the, uh, with the spew arc, um, I, 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 told me this, I'm not sure where he saw it, but I'll take his word for it. That the author was trying to set up the, um, you know, Hermione, Hermione Draco duel that sent Hermione to trial. Um, he was trying to get to that point and didn't really know how to set that up yet. So he, he was just working on other stuff, like working on other parts of the story. And as a non-writer, I can't really explain what that's like, but I can imagine how that sort of works. I listened to a fun interview with Wildbo on, uh, he's the author of, of Worm and Ward and all those books. Um, and I, I can totally get from how he writes stuff that that would be a totally workable thing. Where it's like, okay, I want to get here at some point, but I can work with this other stuff in the meantime while I puzzle out the rest. And
1: yeah, especially if you don't know how the plot is. Like, I could see like writing it out of order when you have like the broad outline of what's going to happen. But if you're like writing stuff, you're like, I'm not sure how the plot's going to get here, but I want it to get here, and I'll figure out the middle bit later. That does seem weird.
0: It's one thing to do that with like a you know book that you send to an editor and publish. It's another thing entirely to do that with a book you're publishing chapter by chapter. Yeah, because that adds a whole other level. Of challenge,
3: at, at uh, some point, I'm interested in hearing both both your predictions, Brian and Justin, in, in terms of uh, if you imagine it's not a story, but you you were talking about you have a particular theory, for example, with uh, with what's up with Kroll and uh, Voldemort, and I I don't know what uh, what you think entirely what's going on, but um, what what do you think? would you both think about the whole uh, trial and Hermione being put there, and that. Presumably, didn't go according to plan, or do you think it did? And what what do you think happens after that, uh, from the Uh, perspective of whatever whatever forces are at play?
1: Yeah, so I guess it's sort of I I think that's why I said like like the fourth act idea, like, and I think it it was in the last retro that I was talking about that like this feels like it's either is the beginning of or is like building to um, that like the 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 Empire Strikes Back um, phase in a story where like, oh, everything's going to shit and, and things are terrible. And then one horrible, horrible thing happens that you wish, you know, didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, so I don't know if um, this isn't, I, I guess look, if I'm going to run with that, that theory, then uh, something's got to get worse. Like this was, so this was bad, but it wasn't like, you know, tragedy of the story bad. right? Um, but that sort of, so again, I like, I get most of my st- like most of my stuff like that is, isn't like, I'm not, I don't have a lot sort of like plot specifics that I know it's just more like, and then I'm sort of able to like guess at the plot specifics later when you're like, okay, the story's going to have to do X, Y, and Z, or probably will. And then, so then something like this has to happen. So I get like, when I guess it's some sort of prediction, it's, it's, it's even not so much about the specifics. It's like, well, something that sort of like fills this storytelling role needs to happen.
3: Yeah. Um, so I, I think you're quite skilled at thinking along storytelling roles, but you're also good at thinking about them as, as characters and in terms of having, I think, mental models of them. So I'm, I'm wondering if you think that that something was attempted that didn't work, what What would you do if you were in that position? I'm not sure what your, your thoughts on are on this too, Justin. And sorry, I, am I completely around- derailing what, like oh,
0: the oh, conversation, awesome. Stephen? <laughs> we don't have a conversation. This is okay. pretty good. This, this is, is it. All um, right.
1: No, it's great. Um. Are, so, are you thinking? if
3: put yourself around, in the, like the, right now
1: in this, like where we are in the story now, or just yeah. Broadly, so, like so a whole, a whole there, there
3: was. So, uh, it seems. I, I think we can. I. I'm guessing that you're all on board with saying that Hermione did not actually try to kill Draco. Is that? Are, are you okay with that too, yeah, Justin? Yeah. Or do you think that that might be
2: possible? I think it is strange that everyone seems to assume that so strongly. Ah, but all right, I, I am. <laughs> well her, her
3: mind like,
1: was
2: the I, I real
3: villain think, all along
1: i just think that I, she, guess she, I could see that 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 she really did do it but was you know in some sort of like mind control like like baseline hermione would never do that yeah. But i guess it does i guess because everybody's like jumping up and down talking about false memories um yeah, that's that's, that's, that's what so like I'm that she, that
2: she's immediately that. told to be like that her memories were false and we are provided no evidence of that whatsoever, other than our prior that Hermione's a good person who wouldn't do this. So we, and hmm. so like I would like a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, maybe
1: that's my attorney I sort of,
2: working overtime, but
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, think, I kind of agree because it sort of felt like like we had sort of a lot of Again, like sort of storytelling uh, storytelling elements to like make us think, okay, yeah, that's where we're going with the story, but yeah, not a lot of sort of like if this were the real world, Mm -hmm. what's some actual evidence that it happened? Because because we so we because we went from like okay, we saw Snape doing mind fuckery with the um, with what's her name, Uh, and then we like immediately go back to um, like oh, that must have been what happened with Rita Skeeter, Um, and so. And then Harry just blurts it out, like with some sort of like certainty, which that like certainty in in the way that he said it seemed out of place too. But like, so those are like storytelling, uh, storytelling elements to like, tell us that like, oh, this is like, you know, what Yukowski was trying to do with this, but yeah, not a lot of like, you know, if it's just on paper and, you know, if, if you don't know, this is a story and it's just, you know, what, what is happening to people. Yeah. It's, it's totally, it seems like a completely um arbitrary assertion by Harry that like, oh, this is you know, this is what happened. Like, oh yeah, that's, that totally fits. That totally could be what happened, but you know, there's a dozen other things equally likely, and we have no idea. Um, and it's only sort of like narrative things um, that are sort of indicating to us that, yeah, that is what happened. Um,
0: I think that there's a couple things on that. Like I, I think you mentioned this during the episode where we talked about it, like that there's a dozen other things that are equally plausible, but then you couldn't name any um, like Dumbledore. And, but the other thing was that Dumbledore takes a, I guess, more even-handed approach about it. I think he says something, and maybe Daniel can correct my exact wording, but it was something yeah. along the lines of like, it may have been her hand that cast the spell, but not her will. Um, yeah. Like yeah. he was, he was, that's, that's, was earlier that's,
1: on. And that, like, if we weren't going to run with it, like the, what, if you were just going to, well, so I think like the more likely, if you're just, you know, a dispassionate observer is, oh, she fucking did it like all the evidence is there and she says she did it. Well, she just fucking did it. And it's only because Harry is is stamping his feet and saying she didn't, that we're all thinking that maybe she didn't, but like, so there's that one. And then like the next most likely in my head is um, she was under, you know, somebody's mind control Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Um, and that, but like the, the idea that, Oh, it didn't, it never actually happened. Doesn't seem at all like the, you know, most, it's not the Occam's razor version of how that plays out.
3: All right. So, if, if there was some sort, some sort of force acting on Hermione uh, to to cause this to happen, which seems decently likely, I, I think that you were saying. I mean, there was the uh, figure that seemed to sh- ch- uh, change appearance and all that. Um, so th- uh-huh. she was clearly being messed with, right? Yeah. Um, so, if, if that was an attempt at something, what do you think the attempt was to do?
1: I think so. Um... Well, so I guess what I play back in my head is Quirrell, like sort of approximate guess of how that actually played out. Um, Quirrell, you know, did some sort of manipulation to just get them in like broadly the same end of the castle um, and then uh, knock them, you know, did something Voldemort level of, you know, casually just knocking them out Um, and then cast the spell that almost kills Draco, but in a way that he knows, you know, it will only almost kill him and not actually kill him, and then fu- and then fucks with both of their memories and and then that's and then the rest of it's kind of just straightforward from there. So if that um,
3: if that's what happened, and so just if we run with that, and if that's what happened, uh, what do you think Quirrell would do in response to what just happened uh, in terms of the whole oh, yeah. trial and everything? Yeah, what, that's. What I mean, you- so-
1: yeah, that's a, so, so what, not had, not
3: narratively, but if you put yourself in the mind of a, a psychopathic killer, if that's what you assume that he is. Uh easy, what would that
2: will be for you, Brian? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> just mentally model. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what what do you think what do you think the person would do? Uh,
1: well, when when I've killed people in the past. <laughs> oh, um,
3: oh man.
4: Um,
1: well, I so did. I would think so I guess yeah, if you if you're just in like a cold reptile coral mode, um, he's pissed off it didn't work. Uh, because sort of his, he, it half worked because like his goal is get rid of Draco and Hermione because they're getting in the way of me, you know, manipulating this kid into doing what I want. Um, and so it half worked, but he's just sort of like pissed off, um, that it's not, but now he also knows that like, there's, you know, way more eyeballs on everything that's going on. So like, I think his, um, his urge would just be like okay fuck it just let me kill her um but now he knows he can't do that or he can't he can't do that you know obviously matter of factly where he's got to come up with a really good cover for it so i think uh, actually now as we're saying that first i guess i wasn't thinking that as i'm starting this but but yeah he's he's like this pushed his um egomaniac but you know his his delusions of grandeur button that like uh, you know this bitch you know put one over on me. I'm not going to let that stand. So now maybe he is kind of like a little more homicidal about it. um, But he's definitely like, Oh, I've got to try, you know, but it's a lot that will be now be a lot harder to get away with. So he's got to like figure out how to up his game. So I think there's going to, there would then need to be some kind of like extra levels of fuckery for him to, to get away with this. But then that, that also sort of, I guess, as I'm saying that I'm kind of reminded about how Coral had been kind of um thinking out loud with Harry about like okay how do we you know fool everybody into um into not worrying about Voldemort and he's like okay we'll just invent some Voldemort for you to defeat yeah. um, that that sort of like he might like go to that part of his brain again maybe not specifically with that but the like the counterintuitive approach of you know we'll just sort of double down on the on the baldness of the move in order to do it but I guess that's what he's saying. Is like, okay, the stakes have gotten higher, but now the bitch has to die. Like he was content to, especially like that moment on the on the balcony where he just tried to talk her into, you know, going over to Bobaton. Like, okay, that didn't work, and so I could see like that being sort of a scene where he just sort of like calmly concluded that, okay, I've got to figure out how I'm going to kill her.
3: What, what um, do you think, Justin?
2: I'm sorry. Um, uh, can you uh, ask so, the question again?
3: Yeah. Well, I, so I'm I'm saying if you imagine that these were real people. Uh, and that, so I, am not sure if you're fully on board with, with Brian's ideas about what's going on with, uh, with Quirrell being the real force behind what's, what's happening here or not.
0: But I like the word mastermind.
3: The, the mastermind. Uh, so if, do you, if you think that's true, what do you think he would try next in the story? Uh, yeah, just if this were real, what, what do you think he would do?
2: Oh, well, I guess I don't really buy that. I don't buy that coral is um a mastermind behind all this i think he he must have some major role to play but i i don't think he is anything close to well maybe not not anything close but i think that the hermione arc has largely been inconsequential i don't Mm. whatever is really going on is bigger than this trial with hermione i think that's
1: Um, awesome do you think this is gonna kinda of like fade off in importance?
2: Yeah, well, I think it's just yet another vignette. Um, okay. that will yeah, I mean, like there's been a lot of um things that have happened in other chapters that seemed important at the time that just kind of fizzled out. Uh for just as an example off the top of my head, I mean you know, I thought that the whole Rita Skeeter murder would be a bigger deal, and we haven't heard a lick of it since. Really, I mean, it's it's been referenced wow. slightly, but
4: yeah, no,
3: she she fled the country, uh, right? I, I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's what we heard officially, or
2: unofficially, yeah, I guess. It's but, been so in the background as to be almost just forgettable, even though it seemed like a big deal at the time. Um, I thought it was a big, going to be a bigger deal when it had happened. Um, yeah. I keep
1: wondering if like Yukowski has sort of like just tossed a bunch of balls up in the air with any of them potentially, like it was just sort of an idea of, do I feel like running with that? And so maybe like that Rita Skeeter was some sort of potential bigger story and he just like lost interest with that or just found some other idea yeah. more interesting so that maybe those things really were like potential big plot moves that it he just be. chose not to make. It could
2: be. So I'm of two minds. I, I Part of me thinks that it, it, we're just going to give vignettes till the end and that no individual arc is going to be that consequential or it, more likely that there will be some sort of resolution. Um, because even, even someone who's writing as he is probably will want there to be some kind of grand finale and that the grand finale
1: will be something truly revealing. Um, oh, it's gotta be that just cause of like how excited Steven and Daniel are. Yeah. they're not uh, going to be all all wound up if it's just you know a several more interesting little arcs
2: yeah that's true that's true that's a good point but i think uh yeah i i would be i wouldn't be surprised if say that both harry and professor coral are horcruxes essentially and that um Voldemort is kind of living in both um, as almost like two separate beings.
1: Oh, that there's oh, some Quir- sort of like greater Voldemort. And like, so Coral Quir- Quir- isn't like running the show. Coral's like the...
2: Coral is one very powerful part of Voldemort. That's, that, you know, that, would explain, uh, that would explain why he's so talented out of nowhere. Like no one knows who he is, but he's this like amazing wizard. And it's, it's like, like, you know, fucking with Aurors who have been around for decades and decades fighting... You know, ostensibly fighting criminals. Um, And so, like, you know, you you have the, the, maybe the very, you know, as of right now, talented part of Voldemort is Coral, whereas, like, say, the very intelligent, thinking version of him is Harry, you know? Oh, wow.
1: So, do you you think we're going to get, like, a, like, do you think there will be a Voldemort, like, Harry and Quirrell and Voldemort are all standing in a room like there is some actual specific other Voldemort uh
2: I I -hmm. haven't actually thought about that I mean maybe I I just um I mean this is just me kind of bullshitting I, I really have no idea but this this makes some sense to me because it would it would establish Voldemort as the ultimate villain which I think he basically has to be because we don't really have one and so if there ever is to be one it has to be the guy that we know, you know, even Quirrell closest he may be to a villain sometimes hasn't really established. I mean, what has he really done other than, I mean, I guess he murdered Rita Skeeter, but other than that,
1: what is, <laughs> but that <laughs>
2: was Probably so like, and we,
1: still, we don't know, know that like, that's only because we, that's, that was something that like super easy for anybody to miss.
2: Yeah. It was so passive yeah, and no know one that. knows about it except for the yeah. reaper. And so like, I, I, I just feel like there's not, because there's no clear villain, my uh I my default is to go to what we know. And we know Valtimore is a villain in this story arc, so it, it's gotta be him in the end. So and, are you mm-hmm. you know, where is he? And I I'm thinking that he may have split himself up into multiple people. And that's mm-hmm. why Doubledore is not asking Coral who he is. That's why he's so mysteriously talented and no one knows who, you know, where he came from. Um, and also why Harry is 11 fucking years old and is so brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, like that, that, I mean, you know, I, I can't say, cause of course you can always retroactively make things make sense when you're the author, but that
1: yeah. makes some sense to me. That would make Voldemort like even more super threatening, all powerful. If like Quirrell isn't as, you know, Quirrell's only volume 10 and Voldemort can turn it up to eleven. Like if he's just the if he's just the little you know evil doer that he can send out into the world to kind of fuck with people, but that's not the you know the full brunt of the that's not the full Voldemort right. uh, that makes Voldemort even more of a kind of a threatening. Like if he's some sort of multiplier of Quirrell, especially because so much of Quirrell's power is like implied to make even that look bigger. So that's like a you know the next level of implied.
3: I, I'm curious if you're proposing that that Voldemort is some sort of distributed intelligence or something like that. Is that what like he's, or, or you're? Are you thinking in terms of souls? Or well, I'm or, thinking like, more in
2: terms of the original books where he he split his soul up into several pieces, right? And I, I I'm kind of fuzzy on the details, but I'm pretty sure that's some something like what happened.
1: I was like yeah, like that was the like the the devil's bargain with making Horcrux is you have to kill someone and it takes, and it's a tiny piece of your soul. soul Yeah. I think it wasn't so much. Yeah. But yeah. And that was part of like why he sort of like became this, you know, monstrous, like fucked up thing that he had split himself so many times that he, he broke himself.
2: Right. And Uh, part of those splits would be these, these characters. I, I may, maybe even beyond just Harry and Quirrell, but those two immediately spring to mind.
1: Yeah, I guess that's like I had been thinking of it more. I guess because it feels like there's like little hints about it that that Quirl is the. I like thing, all that. But, I think that's a related really Yeah, if they, like if there's some, uh, like some yeah. explicit, like actual Voldemort. Like you can point at that and like, okay, that is you know Voldemort Prime, and the rest of these are you know echoes. Uh, that's kind of I hadn't thought about. That. That's kind of cool, uh, and that kind of fits a lot with the. Huh, hmm.
0: Got to got to get more paranoid. <laughs> and I should mention that if, if there's a little bit of talking over each other, part of that is because there's four of us, but the other thing is we're trying uh to record this in a on an online uh service called Zencaster, which if it works is super cool. And if it comes out like crap, then you can blame Zencaster. But I'm noticing that like we're so it just so people are, you know, listening, we're not rudely shouting over each other that often. Really about hello. about half the time. It's us Hi. doing it on purpose. All right but no you're good <laughs> um i like I, I don't know i like that idea a lot and it, it's one of those things like it, it puts me and daniel in a tough spot like, because like, you like brian brian hasn't asked because a, you know a, the a answer. Leading, you
2: don't want to reveal it yeah
0: we right it. well and brian hasn't asked a leading question as as so blatant at the beginning of this episode in months <laughs> um was, <laughs> was that, that recorded? recorded i don't remember
1: that wasn't that wasn't even on purpose I think that was on. I, the I, like, episode, that, like, like that, like that idea is so like just like accepted in my brain that I keep forgetting that you're not admitting to it. <laughs> well, I think so. Just, you know. I, I can give you a couple things that, like, like yeah, I could totally be wrong. I, I think even like Justin's a long version time. of that is is I would just call like another version of my thing. So like it could totally be that.
0: Well, and like so, part of the explanation for like, I mean, I guess I've got this. Yeah, this isn't a spoiler at all. I have had, uh, like, at, at this point in the book, I didn't believe that Quirrell was Voldemort. Now, I might have kept that position throughout the entire book, or I might not have. Um, like, so so part of the reason for that is, like, we we have the, like, core of every character from the canon books. And Quirrell does not seem, like, the least bit like the Voldemort we know from the canon. So I'm waiting for this truly evil overlord to show up and, and be that character when I was at chapter 84 way back in the day. Um, Like the, I, just, I I sort of just took the idea that like, you know, at the beginning we see that he doesn't wear a turban and we see the back of his head and I'm like, okay, cool. He's not Voldemort in this one. Um, And then, you know, we, we get like a much more nuanced uh, person out of him. And um there was another major factor and i'm i am getting a little distracted and blanked on it, but you know that that was part of it i guess was like you know we 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 did we weren't given like this mustache twirling puppy kicking asshole um we're giving we're given a character that has some depth that says some things that like make some sense and it's like i don't know it it just didn't seem to fit, and like I said, I sort of just took the like um you know, like when Harry first meets Ron, he just misses Quidditch. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's not going to play Quidditch in this one. And then we see the back of Quirrell's bald head or balding head, and it doesn't have a face on it. Like, oh, cool. We're not going to have Quirrell equals Voldemort in this one. Um, that's that's sort of where I was at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess that, that is sort of like the big difference between Justin's idea and mine is Justin's version still has, there is a mustache twirler. Um, and we have, not he hasn't come on stage yet. And I guess mine is like, there is no, this is the guy, um, and they're kind of all fictions. But well, I think um, mm-hmm.
2: for for me, like I, I don't actually think that they're aware as much. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that Quirrell is.
1: Oh, Quirrell not, doesn't know he's. No, uh, no,
2: I think he probably does, but that and that's why he's so mysterious. If if I'm correct, in that he is actually a part of Voldemort, he's probably aware of it, which is why he's so cagey about who he is. But that he's doesn't have some of the impulses of Voldemort and that's uh, into, into the theory of him splitting. Um, and then, that, and that's why he's able to teach at Hogwarts. That's why Dumbledore is okay with it. You probably proved maybe. I, like proved I
1: was like, oh, okay, I know that's yeah, definitely not
2: Voldemort, I mean, you know, Voldemort. How perfect would it be that you get the shell of Voldemort who doesn't have nearly the evil inclinations, but has all the talent to be your defense professor, you know? Uh, So, I mean, if if he was somehow able to prove that to Dumbledore, that he was not evil in the same way that Voldemort was, that he was not the mustache twirler or anything close to it, but had all the talent of someone who was insanely evil and powerful, then, I mean, that would be a pretty awesome defense professor. Yeah,
0: yeah that I like that I, a lot I, and yeah the, the test would just be he had a puppy when he was interviewing him and Quirrell managed not to kick it so he knew it wasn't Voldemort <laughs> <laughs> That's the kick the
1: puppy test, test. <laughs>
0: don't kick the puppy
1: well, so, reminds, so this is a question I wanted to ask like, like you guys that um, that has occurred to be more in the like the last few weeks is and we, we sort of called it like competence porn uh, was I think that was a term that you gave me Stephen. Um, but that, that a lot, especially in the beginning, the, the quarrel is hugely appealing because of, a what to me almost feels like a very kind of Robert Heinlein way of just being so like very dramatically attractively, but over the top competent and just good at everything, uh, in a way that makes you like, Oh, I really wish I was like that. Um, but what I was, and so, but as this has been playing out, it's sort of like the, like, Oh, this is the evil temp. This is the um evil harry that could be if he's not careful that i was i was starting to wonder so i i've always been able to see like why he's so enticing and like why harry um is like so kind of enthralled by that and why anybody reading reading it would be like would also be attracted to that but beyond enticing and appealing is there any is there Anything at all about Quirrell that you would that one would want to emulate, other than like be really good at stuff, don't not be really good at stuff. Um, so, like, is there any like choice he makes as a person that you're like, oh, I wish I made decisions more like Quirrell does?
3: What would you like to answer first, or should I, Stephen?
0: Um, I'm trying to think of an answer. So if you all have right. one, go for it.
3: Yeah. Uh, so I, I. Uh, I, I should mention, I believe in good, but not evil. Actually, maybe I shouldn't mention that, but it's somewhat of a controversial. A- anyway, um, so so I don't often use the word evil. Um, I, I definitely recognize uh, a lot of Coral's actions as uh, not good. I guess we can say <laughs> so. Maybe that sounds like semantics. Uh, what one of the things that I really like about him that uh, I I have actually tried to emulate is some of how he was doing his teaching, where early on, he really seemed to understand Harry in uh, a deep way and was giving him very specific feedback. Now, whether that was necessarily the the best feedback for Harry or not, maybe is open to interpretation. But he understood him and was really trying to do something with Harry, bring out, bring out arguably some of his strengths. Uh, so as somebody who does teach other people, um, I, I value how deeply, right from the start, he he seemed to know Harry uh, and understand him, and was working to really Im- improve him in that way. And also the whole idea of uh, the the importance of of practical application uh, done in a fun way. So the the whole Battle School thing, right? You, you've been reading or or were reading Ender's Game with your daughter, almost done. Uh, but yeah, uh, so. The, the idea of having fun and learning and providing good feedback and how he was doing his Coral points. Uh, th- there are. I-, I actually adopted some of that in my classes where I, I gave this most recent um, class that I taught. I gave people five late days. And if they wanted to ask a question instead of uh, asking in the forums, or, or uh, I kind of had some ways that they could help each other, or I could help them there. If they wanted to ask me through email, they could do that, but it would cost them a day. So I, I just in order to manage workflow and that kind of thing, so I, I very much admired some of the things that he was doing as a teacher. Uh, maybe that's
0: very specific not, to me, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I ties yeah. to your personal experience, like to your professional experience. Yeah, I for myself, I I am going to push back and like a little bit and say that you can't take be awesome off the table. Um, like,
1: but that's I guess it's more like oh, and I like the difference would be. If we saw quarrels awesome like if quarrel I guess I well to me the uh, and maybe this isn't a universally held opinion but the important part of in terms of is he doing anything that I would would want to emulate um, that like OB competent is the same as sort of like well be rich and good looking like yes that is awesome but that's not like a you know that's not a lifestyle choice. Um, and that, like, if we did see, like, and it does, like, you could see it as, like, a if if we saw Quirrell as I became this powerful because I did X, Y, and Z, uh, and then then the choice of what to emulate is I'm going to also choose to do X, Y, and Z. But it's almost sort of like conspicuously, like, all of the like uber powerful, super competent things about Quirrell are kind of very conspicuously without cause like he's just super powerful and we don't know why and we don't see him choosing any actions that cause that to happen
0: yeah so like we didn't get to see him put in all the hard work that it took to get to where he's at yeah
1: and also no real implication that he ever actually did or that that's any kind of thing that he values he because he's always just sort of like flippantly um implying how easy all of that is for him and how dumb you know mere mortals are for not being able to do it too um, that it's not it's, – it doesn't come from any sort of like admirable personal quality. Um, mm-hmm. It's just sort of there.
0: Well, I, I yeah. know, unless he found a like whatever, uh, a MacGuffin that just, you know, like gave him superpowers, then he presumably put in hard work to get there.
1: Yeah, but we're not shown that. Like like, like if, if that were going to be, you know, the sort of the value behind that, like we would hear that. But it's almost like we're sort of very like explicitly not given any – Personal, like it, nothing. Ab- we're not shown anything about a personality trait of quarrel mm-hmm. that causes any of the things that we. Like. I, I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm asking this because I'm actually not sure. As I was thinking about it, I'm like, I can literally think of nothing um, that you would want to emulate about his personality, and, and the sort of absoluteness of that opinion maybe not trusted. So I'm like, really, like maybe there, there must actually be something, but like we don't see anything about the personality of quarrel. That is the cause of any of the things that are attractive about him. Like that hyper competence just comes out of nowhere. And it's just more that, like, it's like, at least to me, it feels the same as if, like, oh, he's rich and good looking. Like none of those have, you know, any, I mean, you could, yes, it's possible that, like, oh, that level of skill and that level of intelligence could be the result of, you know, a conscious decision and work put in to follow up on that decision. But we're not shown that, and it may not be the case. We're not given any evidence that that's actually true. And we're not shown anything about his personality, at least in that regard, that you would want to emulate. There's not like, oh, I want to also make the same decision Quirrell made. We're not given, we're, we don't get to see the things that are attractive about him. We don't get to see any decision he ever made in order to cause that to happen. Well, so- that's
2: true. We don't see any past decisions, but I, I would push back a little and say that we do see that he's very good at cutting through bullshit and getting, getting to what is, what is actually important. And so, you know, if, if he is his hyper competence makes sense in a character who is, you know, not not obsessed, but like, is just really good at sniffing out what is actually important.
1: Yeah. And like the sort of like, yeah, I guess if you sort of classify his cynicism as realism in this, like, if you contrast it against like sort of the fluffy romanticism that, Dumbledore can spout that, like it does, kind of fall flat against so, you know, when Quirrell's just like, shut the fuck up. Like, well, yeah, I, I could see that. Sorry. Uh, so what? What you
3: want is some sort of narrative-based uh, reason for why Quirrell seems so powerful or or so. I guess no. Just like,
1: is there anything about Quirrell that you would say I want to be like? Is, is he a role model so for I, anything? Well, I, like, I think you be you, more like him in any way.
3: If you put your yourself in Harry's shoes or or emulate Harry, uh, do you understand? So he, I, I think he mentioned at one point that Kroll excels in the ways that Harry thinks, where he seems to be able to come to cl- conclusions faster, seems to be able to know more. So he really seems to be a, a mentor, though he, he also uh, increases Maybe Harry's dark side in a way, if you think of, of it like that. Maybe not. I don't know. But but he definitely tries to mentor Harry. Uh and but I, I think, that
1: feel like it feels like grooming to me, doesn't it feel like well, yeah. So I And I mean, is t- there
0: a difference? If, if, yeah, if I, I guess that's it. Rachel. Well no,
1: like the motivation behind it is the is the huge difference. It's the like well, all of that is question. sort of in service of Like he's just, I mean, we don't know enough specifics about it, but like he's got this grand plan to, you know, have Harry be the Fuhrer of England uh, and all of that to me at least feel, and maybe that's, you know, not true or just my read of it, but all of those things, even like the, the, the things like the specific like actions around the way he's teaching that that you were talking about, like they seem to me motivated by this, uh, like his, you know, his fiendish plot um, and not for any you know reason that you would like if you imagine that he actually
3: cares about harry or cared about harry and maybe that's fully off the table that that he if you believe that Quirrell is without any capacity for for caring at all so if you think he actually cares about uh this particular student maybe um it, it seems like I, I don't know what what do you think about that or or stephen i've been talking I don't about think
1: he the- does um, yeah i mean if he I mean, if he did, then, okay, yeah, that would be cool. To me, it it doesn't read like he actually does. Um, But yeah, I guess that would be like if you are seeing it as that he actually does care. about, Or to to the extent that he does, it just feels like he conspicuously only cares about Harry because Harry is him and he's only capable of caring about himself. And so it almost just kind of underlines how – you know, selfish he is. That he because he we sort of we see a lot of his just a kind of inability to understand anybody yeah, besides he, Harry.
3: He really does seem to have that though. I, I'm curious what you think about. So if you if you love someone, does that do? So I I don't know that being human, we're very similar to other humans, and I think a lot of people are able to feel connected to at least some subset of people, or or at least one, one or two other people and can can deeply connect with them in terms of you know really feeling like you understand the other person and where they're they're coming from so i am not sure if if uh, caring about someone or, or loving someone or what—I don't know if we want to use that word for a quarrel, but I, I think I had a very similar reading to Stevens in terms of uh, my beliefs uh, about what was happening in the story. So I'm uh, on board with uh, what happened with uh, Stevens' read-through um, for what he already stated with that. But for for d- does caring about somebody because they are similar to you—is that somehow less less real than some other kind of caring?
1: I think, it, like, if, if that was just the reason, then no. Cause because I mean, then it's still sort of like, okay, here's this other person that I value. But that doesn't feel quite like an accurate description of what's going on with Quirrell. Like,
4: oh,
3: that's fair. Know, it's,
1: not, it's not like, oh, I care about Harry because he's just like me. Like, if there was just some other random asshole that was a lot like Quirrell, he would probably m- mostly just see him as competition and want to get rid of him. Sure. Like, he really only values Harry because he is him. Yeah. Um, and that, and also, like, and probably, you know, is is useful in serving his purposes in in whatever it is he's he's planning.
3: Well, that kind of gets uh-huh. back to Justin's ideas too, potentially, with one one being in many bodies or something like that. If I'm
1: yeah, because I got like the part, like the the human connection, like love. Part of that is like at some point, your motivations stop being about yourself. Like, if you are if you feel like you're calling love. Towards someone, what is actually like? Oh, but how can that benefit me? And that's your primary motivation. Then, at least in my head, that's not what love is. Like, if you're like actually like if your priority stops being about yourself and becomes about that other person, mm. yeah, um, then that's like like an authentic kind of because like the your center of gravity has shifted outside of yourself right. onto the other person, yeah, sort of making that that connection. And that seems sort of the thing. Like we're kind of. Um you know, drawing a big bright line around you know highlighting that that's kind of that's how quarrel ticks is there's nobody like like he's completely involved in himself and right he wouldn't be the kind of person
3: to give someone a Christmas present or that kind of thing
1: yeah and and, and yeah, and again, I think that's kind of what and what makes kind of the whole like oh they're the same person thing fit so well is that um that that how much of a of a uh emphasis there is on. Uh, Harry's the only person he connects with in that way at all, like in, in, even remotely. Um, and we get to see even his just complete ineptitude to do it, um, with anybody that's not Harry. I,
3: so I, I think those are, are very, uh, I, I, find you very insightful in general. Um, I, my bias is to, <laughs> my bias is to, to read positive intent in, into
0: a, a lot of things. So I might just be more gullible than you <laughs> are perhaps, um, uh, that might be part of my problem too, and I never caught, got an, around to answering your original question. Like, is there anything about Quirrell I'd like to emulate? Um, like, uh, like I said, I think sticking with like wanting to be really amazing at what you do. Like, you yeah. know, what, what, and so whatever that is, um, you know, if it's like your job or some some other thing, like being as well regarded as like. You know, so you look at Quirrell and he does this crazy, He you know, he pulls this crazy rabbit out of his hat and you're like, how, holy shit, didn't know he could do that. Like having that sort of esteem of my peers would be super cool, but you're right. That does seem sort of like...
1: That, that's more like, that's like envy rather than, you know, role model. That's yeah, like, oh, yeah. But, you know.
0: but status is desirable. And, but that's, that's not really like the part that I, I really, And like you said, that's not, it's not quite the same thing as like just being bored, pretty or rich or something because like you can work to get good and that that's the part that I like is that you know in his first battle magic lesson he talks about uh you know he he says that um you know it's an attitude of many wizards to not even bother with uh learning how to fight in a muggle fashion because you you know we've got wands what good is that and he's like no that's pointless wands are held in fists and any any true uh you know uh battle magic uh, what did you call it? I guess, whatever, any true uh, fighting wizard should learn martial arts. So, mm-hmm. and but he, but he points out that this is not a consensus opinion. So like the, what he does in pursuit of becoming awesome is like, he, he seeks like non-obvious. He'd like avenues.
1: question all assumptions.
0: Yeah. He, I mean, he, he looks for non-obvious avenues to get great. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we haven't seen, an example where like his martial arts has come in handy at a fight or something, but like it's, it's one of those things that,
1: um, but we, but we do see that like that mental state of his, like we see that that's how he's approaching things. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I, I, I just had to get that out there before, you know, it was 10 minutes ago rather than five. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know if we have, you know, something to move to organically, but I did have some funny way to bring Justin back in. Cause you've been radio silent for too long. Um, we were talking in the last episode or the one before just about how impossible it is to have anything re- remotely resembling a just legal system in the wizarding <laughs> world. Oh man. Because in, in a world with false memories and Polyjuice and and uh, the imperious curse and what have you like, I mean, how, how could you, I mean, I don't know if this is even a thought experiment that you enjoy entertaining, but how could you possibly have anything like a, a court that could make a reasonable decision?
2: Well, I mean, if, you know, uh, if you could prove that for some reason, like I- I'm imagining if someone took like a, a potion to, uh, change their memories that it might show up in some sort of like I don't know, toxicology report, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's generally for people who are dead, but you know, if you could do it in the living, um, It's gotta be some sort of
0: like wizard equivalent to that. So yeah. Yeah. So like there should be more wizard investigation into like forensics. Like, is is there a way to tell if someone took polyjuice in the last 24 hours?
2: Yeah, (laughs) right. And so, like, you know, generally speaking, whenever there's like you know, I, I guess this isn't really a truism or anything, but in real life, if there's if there's evil that is produced, usually there's like a good that counters it. Um, and so like I would imagine that for every person who tries to inflict false memories or something on a person to make them testify that, yes, indeed, I did commit that crime, so please convict me as soon as possible, that, um, that there would be some kind of service person or otherwise that would say, wait a minute, we should really look at this because there's a good chance that this is completely false. But that said, yeah, it does seem fucked. Um, there's yeah. o- almost no way that there would be a good legal system that wouldn't be insanely expensive and time consuming. And it might just be worth it to just shove everyone in Azkaban because fuck it. Some of them are guilty. So screw it.
3: <laughs> oh, wow. So just put everyone in Azkaban. That's a <laughs> yeah, solution well, I, mean, I did not think of. You're all evil. Everyone
4: put me. Anyway. <laughs>
1: Uh, that yeah, might I mean, me. like that's all the funny. No, I like that. It raises just for a legal system just sort of like how like society couldn't function with all of these same problems too. Like, you know, like Hermione's like not even sure what it was she did or which one of her memories are true. Like, you just can't like get so out the, of bed in the morning that way. There's there should at least be a
2: jury. Damn it. That's one thing that drives me nuts. There's just a bunch of wizards who haven't heard anything other than one witness testify for like five seconds about what they do or do not know. But there's no like random selection of average wizards in the community. There's that's
1: just- fine. We can just conjure you up a memory of their having been a jury.
2: So I, well, that's true. Yeah, I guess if you want just conviction outright, that's <laughs> that fine.
0: Well, and uh, I think what the, the jury of your peers is important there too. Like the, and that, that to me was what made me, uh, and you know, false memory or demonic possession or whatever it is that made the, the duel happen. Like my, I, I was never the least bit, uh, on the fence about Hermione having actually done this. Like, cause we've been in her head. We know that she, she knows that, you know, trying to kill somebody is capital B bad and that's just not how she operates. Sure. And, so like, I, I'm just wondering like with a, if, if, if they could do, you know, a peer jury, if they would, if, they, you know, they could bring in students to testify and being like, yes, this is extremely surprising. This is not at all fitting with her character.
2: Yeah. That
0: the yes. only person advocating for her character is Albus Dumbledore who half of them don't even like, like the half the Wizen guy doesn't already like, you know?
2: Well, not to get too inside baseball, but generally character evidence is uh, not allowed. But if you are able to, Uh, get in some evidence of good character. It would just be a generalization like, uh, oh, yeah, I know Hermione, and she is of the kind of character who wouldn't do such a thing. You couldn't um, ever bring in individual acts that she did. Um, If I'm remembering my rules of evidence correctly, uh, individual acts would not be allowed. But, you know, you could have a bunch of people stand up and say, you know, uh, yeah, of course she is, you know, like I've known her for a while. There's no way she would do such a thing. But um, that I don't think, it, given the rest of of this tribunal, I don't think that would fucking matter at all. Um, so,
0: yeah, that's fair. They they wouldn't be swayed by anything.
2: No way. A bunch of fucking eleven year old peers of hers. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Justin, uh, your your solution to just throw everyone in Azkaban reminded me of an an awesome short YouTube video. Uh, so there's a social psychologist. I'm not going to pronounce his last name correctly, uh, Masi Campo. So if you search a two-year-old solution to the trolley problem, uh, he, he uh, set up the trolley problem for his uh, his son where a tra- train is coming. He set up a, a little Lego person on one, one track and then uh, five on the other track and said, oh no, the train's coming. What should we do? And uh, the solution was uh, his kid picked up the one, put it on the other track, and then just drove over all of them. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I I know I'm getting off off track here, but no, that's great. I've that's seen it. that video. Yeah, uh, it, it reminds me of the, the good place when I, they're posing the I just,
1: uh, yeah, and he like fakes them all out. Yeah. Oh no. Well, well, okay, I haven't they're, watched. They're, they're yeah, posing the,
0: the the thought experiment of the trolley problem to a to a bad guy, and he's like, okay, so clearly the problem here is how do we kill all six humans? <laughs> <And that's>, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Talks to them, he's like, you know, th- th- as just an abstract thought experiment, this is stupid. And he so he just conjures them. It's like, okay, now we are actually on a trolley, and there's your friend <laughs> <and> I'm about <laughs> to hit, kill, and oh, and then wow. they do, and then they get like blood splattered all of them. Yeah, I like binge watched that a couple months ago.
3: Yeah, That's that show was show. delightful. I, I've I've had it recommended to me. I'm looking forward to watching That's it true. at some point.
0: Um, regarding Other the than memory the end, thing that was explicitly deathist. L- Lol. Yeah, right. fight, well, I, fight I haven't me seen it yet. yet.
4: Ah, okay. Yeah, oh, Brian, sorry.
2: death is shit everywhere, just like any predicted. I remember that shit.
1: I know. Kind of like the, um, now I can't remember the name of the, what's that phenomenon? Now that I've heard about it, it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> death is, that, that actually completely, when, when, yeah, <laughs> <Bernie laughs> when he was saying like, oh, now that you like know about it, you'd just be surprised how often you hear about it like that as he was saying that. I'm like, well, yeah, that's how that works.
0: <laughs> right i think i think he uh, said that because you were saying it's not a thing and he's like just wait till you like start like I know. like with we, we harry us- with harry you know developing the idea of like he in in the most recent battle he's like how do i find a way to surpass my abilities like sometimes you don't know what you're looking at until you ask the right question i think that that's more what enosh was pointing out there like you, you won't have recognized this until you see that it is a thing and then you can start noticing it
1: Oh, yeah, but I keep like, I, I guess, yes, I do keep noticing it. And then I keep thinking like, oh, yes, and this is that thing you keep mistaking for deathism. This is people choosing not to become completely uh, hopeless around the inevitability yeah. of their death.
2: People, people choosing to uh, accept the fact that they will die rather than saying, "Ooh, death is great. I, I want to die right now, in fact. You guys are a bunch of
0: chumps. My wife just signed up for cryonics like this week, so.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. So since you had brought it up, I started looking into it and because, and I think we had said this in the beginning that like, and probably I think I'm like on solid rational footing that the, like my, the main impetus behind what is my opinion about cryonics is almost, if not entirely based on, well, how plausible is it? Like, which seems to be like that ought to be the, the thing. And and uh, have you just looked – because it seems like just – my bias is that Wikipedia is generally pretty fucking reliable because to the extent that it's not, that argument can be found on the talk page, that cryonics is quack science, that it's bullshit, which like, I would be totally down with it if it weren't. But apparently the actual case of the situation by people with degrees to qu- qualify them to have opinions about it is that it's bullshit. I, I think like this is a
0: disappointing – This is a disappointing circumstance where it happened. And so like, it sounds like motivated reasoning on my part because I'm an advocate for this thing, but this is a, a rare circumstance where Wikipedia happens to be, uh, at least un, unbalancedly informed. Um, it like, it does not take the current state of the research by experts working in the field of long-term cryopreservation. It, like you said, in the top paragraph, it says, this is, you know, crank science or pseudoscience or something and it it does not give the like wikipedia stamp of approval of like actually fair and balanced non-motivated explanation i felt like this is like one of the shittiest uh i don't know coverages of a thing that i've ever seen on wikipedia mainly because it's something i know about that it got wrong maybe it's maybe it's just what this did for me is lower my confidence in wikipedia not so much lower my confidence in cryonics um
1: I am thinking exactly about everything you just said, what you think I'm thinking.
3: I I think the other thing to add (laughs) there, so I haven't signed up for cryonics, but it's not only a matter of plausibility or likelihood, it's also potential benefit or payoff and the the potential costs. So even if there's a slim chance with a very substantial payoff, that that can arguably be the, the right decision if it's a... So, you know, depending on what the costs are and and what's likely to happen. So it's yeah, not really if, a matter of a, is this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, If a lottery ticket for a billion dollars cost a penny, it'd be silly for me not to buy a couple. Like, even if the odds are one in a billion, I'm like, I've got two pennies. I'll never notice it's missing. Yeah, um,
1: that's, that kind of, you can, you can drive a Mack truck through that logic. You can justify all kinds of activities. Ooh, what would you like to justify? Like, what are the odds that... In 500 years, we will have invented the way to live forever. Mm -hmm. But anybody that tried cryonics is going to be just, is going to be thought of as having cheated and they will explicitly not be brought back to life. And all of their descendants will be considered ineligible for eternal life because they're cheaters and sinners. That's ridiculously unlikely but so is that your cryonics is going to work. Well, I think the problem there would be that there would be balancing. So with
3: what you just described, you could also flip that around and say, oh, what if it's the opposite and the people who tried for cryonics will be celebrated and those would cancel out. So the idea is that if there's an indication for uh, an action that has potential benefits, and uh, so that there are always potential costs, but if they're... I don't know, like so with with that possibility that you just invented, it seems like the flip side of that would be um, arguably at least as possible. So it doesn't seem like it's necessarily relevant then and you're just left with what what are the chances of this working? What are the costs? Yeah. Uh, what are the benefits? But that,
1: what- that logic all is I mean it's basically the same logic as to why you should, should accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior because what if you're wrong. Right. Well, well you know, that burn, right? hellfire and when it just you know it's just one Sunday a week and you would burn an eternal hellfire. You know eternity is a long time. Like you can do anything that like anything can be that, that logic will get you anywhere you want it to go.
0: I tell you what, I, I think rather than uh hash this all out here because I, I want to keep this focused on and I have to bring up chronics so I'll, I'll own that um, I'll just refer everybody who has an interest in this to an episode, uh, in the last few months of the Bayesian conspiracy with Rudy Hoffman. I don't know what number it is, but you'll see it's got Rudy Hoffman in the title. Um, he's a life insurance agent that helps connect people with Chronics Institute and is, uh, also just apparently a stellar life insurance agent who's won like the top award for sales a few years in his tenure working for Kansas city life insurance, um, and I, I don't agree with everything Rudy says about like his imaginings of the future, but like I, I I'll, I'll say this last thing cause I can't let it go. And then, then I'll, i will let it go after that. The difference between, uh, Sunday for Chronics and accepting Jesus as your personal savior is that I guess there's, there's twofold. One, you can't really accept Jesus as your personal savior. If you, if you are doing it for the reasons of like a Pascal's, uh, wager, like you will know that you're lying to yourself and thus not actually able to do the thing. Cause it's just like, are you believing hard enough? Um, if, if all you had to do was, you know, go to church, that'd be different, but to actually believe the thing, you can't will that. Um, uh, and the other thing is just how improbable do you think it is? Um, I, I think that the afterlife via Jesus hypothesis is much less plausible than the long life via cryonics. Um, so yes, moving past that, but let, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about literally anything else. So sure.
2: uh, episode
0: 108, oh, by the way, 108, you said? Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate What's it. one oh eight?
2: Thanks for that uh, break in the conversation, guys. It was a perfect opportunity to pour a drink and pee.
0: Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful.
2: That's I, I did I'll want to,
4: to
3: <laughs> make sure that people knew that memory was in real life quite malleable and, and be careful for fully trusting your memory.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I said this on the show or not, but when I, I would have been in like, now I'm hesitant to give a number of my age because I can't quite remember. Um, <laughs> it, I think it was the senior year of high school or the year after that. So 18 or 19, I became aware of the work of Elizabeth Loftus, who yeah, yeah. Has, has done some of those fun false memory studies. And like she was able to convince, like she and her team, they were like, if you Google the um, what lost in the mall experiment. Uh, they, they interviewed parents and then they would ask the, they weren't even kids. They were adults, but they said, you know, uh, uh, we were told about like when you were five or six, you got lost in the mall and you were very scared and you found your mom. Can you tell me about that? About a quarter of them told them about this and they'd learned from the parents that this never actually happened for any of the subjects. And so they were able to just put in false memory in people in like by kind of just asking leading questions. And that's surprising and horrifying.
3: They've even done... So one of her studies, again, pre-replication crisis, but I think the idea of false memories seems to hold up fairly well, but uh, th- we're able to implant false memories of enjoying different foods like asparagus. And then that has an influence on what people want to eat. That From my memory, I haven't reread that paper
0: recently, but- That uh, rings a bell. I watched her give a talk once, uh, yeah. at a conference in Vegas, and I think- Oh, nice. I think- oh, that wait. Was, what wait, what conference? Not a psych conference. This was oh, uh, a okay. skeptics conference. Yeah. Um, Called oh, the amazing cool. meeting. I think I went to eight and nine. Was the numbers that I went to? James, the amazing Randy, uh, hosted it. Oh, that's Tam. where you got I've to. I would
1: heard, heard of Tam.
0: Yeah, Tam. Were those meetings. far into,
1: That's into the really cool. Rational world that I've gone.
0: Uh, it was in the skeptical world, which is distinctly different. Um, is it? Yeah. So it's like a term. Like so, like the the skeptics movement is is distinct uh, along a lot of grains from the rationality movement, like. in in a sentence, the skeptic movement is like consumer protection, like how not to get fucked over by hucksters and rationality is about how to uh, again, we talked about being predictably insane. So how to overcome bias and achieve your goals. If I was to put both Mm. of those movements on a bumper sticker.
1: Um, So almost sounds like it's just more kind of like applied rationality. Is is that not quite right? What
0: skepticism? I think skepticism is a lot easier than applied rationality. Um, Like, to, to overcome bias and and become aware of how your thinking works is actually a lot harder than just like learning the basics of the accepted model of reality that physics gives us and not buying magic medicine um like skepticism is just like whatever no magic no angels no fairies no magic tonics that cure cancer um rationality can't be so easily summed up and i i'm I'm doing a a slight disservice to skepticism. There's more to it. Like there, there is a truth-seeking process. They definitely share that in in common, Um, but they have uh, similar but approaches and different, like a subset.
1: Yeah, almost. That's one parsing that.
0: And my my own uh, like take on it is that I think skepticism is a lot easier um, than being properly rational. Uh, Like it, it, like I said, it's easy enough just to learn all right, here's the list of things that are bullshit. And then here's the list of things that aren't on that list, which is everything else. Um, I don't know um, to, to bring this back to the book. I'm going to just yeah, grab the steering wheel and drag Justin back in. Cause we haven't heard from him in a while. Um, were there any, like, do you have any like thoughts and predictions about, cause Brian said like that there's a supposed to be a big twist, which is what people keep saying. It's less that there's like a big twist or, or something like that. It's that there are lots of little puzzles throughout the book. um, some of which have been solved some of which haven't been noticed because they they the clues are in plain sight but not obvious um like do, is there anything like that al- along the like the puzzle solving element of the book that you've noticed yet
2: um that's wow that's a tough question i like if you can you give me a little like a concrete example of what you mean
0: yeah like who's sith kermit <laughs> like we, we, don't, we don't have an answer to this yet but that's, that's an example of like this might not be part of the big twist um like another one would be like snape uh helping the spew witches to the point and wanting to hide his involvement for reasons unknown to the point where he, where he did 50 memory charms like little things like that um like are, are throughout the book but i mean so i guess I can I can give you a different question if that one is like too on the spot without notes in advance. Like,
2: well, I I just wish I had a better answer for you. I really don't know. I mean, that stuff seems like I said like you know, going back to my point about the story being vignettes. A lot of it feels disconnected, and I don't really uh, know if there is one uh, uh, as far as like a grand overarching theory to all this uh to to individual actions by different actors. Um I mean I you know, I'm not saying that there isn't. I just I haven't noticed a good pattern to really latch my brain onto. Uh so why Snape is uh you know, why he helped um I'm sorry. I need a quick reminder. What what exactly did he do again? It's been a little while since. No,
0: that. you're good. Um,
1: his, his, he was helping them with the. He was cluing them in on when the bullying would be happening.
2: Oh, right. So, I mean.
1: And invisible,
2: yeah. probably. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to be a terrible podcast host and or guest and not host. I, actually, I'm taking over. We're I'm taking.
3: That's over. right. Yeah, this is a coup. Cool <laughs>
0: <movie.
3: laughs>
2: <laughs> where,
0: where are your new hosts? Even though right? I'm retiring after this episode. episode. So get off. <laughs> actually, this to uh, a great thing. If if Brian and I ever like have a recording that fails, it would be impossible to reproduce three our episode. We'll just make you two do it. Have you do it. <laughs> <There> you <go.
2: laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, I don't, uh, I'm going to be a terrible <laughs> podcast guest in that host and tell you that i i really have no idea i wish i had something more interesting to say but
0: no I'm that's totally really fine curious I think about like it, I'm, I'm sorry go ahead oh no, no please i'm sorry no no no. guest host i get to talk on the show all the time
3: <laughs> I, i'm really curious about your views uh, of both of your views for how dumbledore has changed <clears throat> sorry how dumbledore has changed over time uh because I, I i think early on I had the same reaction that I think that both you uh Brian and Steven did, and Justin, maybe you had a similar thing where it's just kind of disappointing where where Dumbledore seems just insane uh what what do you yeah, think but about that him now
2: very quickly I mean yeah, Dumbledore, okay. like he he was weird at first, but mm-hmm. and he still is a little weird, but I like his personality as essentially the most stereotypical wise old sage one could imagine so, is uh, it, it took over very quickly in the story.
3: What What do you think he was trying to do at the start? So way back.
2: I would my... have to reread it because I remember him, like, for example, like he stuck his tongue out at someone at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't remember exactly what he did. I just remember having the impression that he was, he was a, a weirdo. And I thought for sure that, the story was going to unfold that he was kind of a minor character in the same way that Ron mm. was. That he right. was just that, kind of that he just, got
3: the Ron treatment.
2: Yeah. yeah, a little bit. No, I mean not not nearly as bad, but still like that he wasn't nearly the badass that he was in the books, uh, the original books. Um, but he has firmly taken his role as kind of like the Obi Wan Kenobi. But yeah. I was hearing yeah. you say that. That's a- he's
1: become kind of a lot more explicitly badass than the original books. Like it's, it was more implied in the original books, but here he's kind of very much more obviously the most powerful wizard in the world. So I fully
2: expect him to die. Um, because, <laughs> because that's what wise old sages do it's with it's, stories. And it's his like an next great ahead. adventure.
1: <laughs> to me, it does feel like, and it feels like uh, it was more kind of a shift from Yudkowsky that Dumbledore started out being just sort of like the death straw man staying, saying stupid shit. Um, and that now since then he's become more like nuanced and it's like, especially cause I've been really liking lately, like this, this kind of conflict between Harry and Dumbledore that neither of them are winning. Um, and so Dumbledore is saying like things that are kind of a lot more substantive.
2: Yeah. Their interactions um, are strange. They're very like, um, I don't know. They're, they're almost two sides of the same coin, but very, like this only like the sides are pulled apart. They're so far apart. Like, um, that, like they, they clearly respect each other, but they fight so viciously. Yeah, <laughs> It's really strange. Yeah,
1: But it does feel like, like in the beginning, it felt like the words coming out of Dumbledore's mouth are not, uh, the author does not agree with the words coming out of the, the mouth, the mouth of Dumbledore. And now they do sometimes. Hmm. Um, but that he's like that he's sort of like gained respect for the character he made uh and is letting him like you know speak like a sane person and not just the like fall guy for you know this philosophy you're trying to argue against
3: so your view is that it's the the author who uh changed their mind about the character as opposed to some sort it, of
1: it feels like sort of yeah it feels like it kind of goes in hand that's kind of been my same impression of just kind of like Harry's sort of like internal journey is. That it didn't seem, and I, I like it a lot more that it, it seems like sort of something that Yudkowski kind of discovered as he was writing it. it. It doesn't seem to me that he had a very, not, not that it kind of came out of nowhere, but that he didn't have as explicit an intent mm-hmm. to have like Harry be sort of like, you know, grappling with his inner quarrel in that sense of like the arrogance and the selfishness and the yeah. kind of superiority. Like that so, felt more like like Yudkowski sort of like, found that idea and really liked it and was then doing like a very rationalist thing of like looking at, oh, what what do I do? Especially like how, how much it is, uh, how sort of you latch on to the idea of this telling yourself that you are a rationalist is the perfect formula for being arrogant about it. And that but what Yudkowsky did was a very rationalist thing, which was to just look right at that and ask himself about it. And then we get to watch like Harry and Dumbledore, you know, arguing that out with them with each other.
3: So speaking of Harry and Dumbledore arguing, uh, if if Harry had gone to Dumbledore and said, "I I need your help to stop this bullying going on at Hogwarts. Uh, Hermione's going to get hurt. This is getting way out of hand," um, and Dumbledore had said no and argued with him. Uh, what do you? So I, I know you mentioned Harry being an asshole and and not being wrong, and uh, I think I've have quite uh, been quite. Uh,
2: oh, I, I you like your approach in
3: viewing teamwork.
1: Pardon.
2: I was I was, just, I was uh, uh, making fun of the fact that Brian <laughs> brings
1: up. You know, he's right. not always an asshole. Sometimes, sometimes he's just a douchebag.
3: So, so. <laughs> And I get the sense that a good chunk of that is because uh, maybe not recognizing others' humanity or or seeing others as PCs, as he would say it. So, uh, NPCs. Where, where, right? He sees them as NPCs. Yeah. So he doesn't doesn't see people as entities that you can work with and team up with uh, except maybe for a couple exceptions so if he if he had gone to dumbledore and been told no for reasons that seemed unfathomable and then taking the actions would that have changed your opinion for what what he did or i I I think you had a fairly uh, so i I think a number of people um your your views were somewhat controversial and i I think some people have experienced uh bullying and that that i
1: think i I think uh it sounds like it was a lot misinterpreted as like oh me not liking kind of the unilateralism of what he did as an argument for and then nothing should have been done. So even like like it, i could even see a version of it that ended up with exactly the same fight in the hallway happening mm-hmm. but it being, you know, a lot less off-putting uh in by virtue of how you got there. So yeah, if so if it's like Harry argues with Dumbledore, Dumbledore doesn't give him the answer he wants, and Harry says, well, fine, fuck it. I'm going to do what I want anyway. Uh, well, that's kind of what happened anyway. Um, but if it's, you know, so what better would be, Harry has that argument with Dumbledore, doesn't, um, you know, doesn't get the answer he wants. or I mean, if that makes it even sound wrong. Doesn't. He's got, you know, a very sincerely held belief about what the right thing to do is and thinks that Dumbledore doesn't see eye to eye with him about it. So he goes out and does kind of the very Hermione version of it, which is go out and get a bunch of, you know, uh, Avengers Assemble. Right. Um, and, you know, kind of participates in a collective action towards doing it. I sound like a communist when I'm saying that. But just <laughs> in the sense of like... Sorry, if just like, for a, solidarity. Yeah. Like no, like no man is an island. And also like, if it's a good idea, then you should probably be able to convince at least one other person that it's a good idea. He convinced um, Quirrell. <laughs> yeah. So Quir- Quirrell is yeah, the, know, dark, and then, you know, the dark and then, genie. What, what company am I keeping? Um, but yeah. And, and you know, so if it had been something like that, so even if, you know, you end up landing at the same place, but that's the way he got there, that's what would have felt a lot different. So it's, it's not at all about like, Oh, you know, we just, you know, shouldn't do anything because, you know, this is just the way things are and, you know, suck it up and live with it or, you know, because Dumbledore said so. Um, so it's not, it's it actually not at all about like, oh, just do what you're told um, because Dumbledore knows better. Um, it's, you know, the person that decides on their own that they are the person that knows right from wrong and everybody else is just too dumb to know uh, the difference. And so they just need, it's so. Really, the solution to this problem is just an adequate application of force to get the right thing done. Like, that's like the nightmare. So, you know, that's I think it was what is it? Like, you think you're Che Guevara and you're actually Fidel Castro. Ha,
3: that, um, that's except, a great except, analogy, except, potentially. Che che, it's not Che, but. Um, <laughs> uh, all right.
1: You know, che wasn't Che Guevara. So few um, are.
3: <laughs> there, and- there, There was no Che Guevara all along. I think
1: um, that okay. like the root was the, the memories we were along making. Away. <laughs> so I, I
0: think just a way to help illustrate the point I think you're making is that like nobody thinks that bullying is a good idea except for bullies. So like the concern isn't that he's taking unilateral action to stop a thing that is universally agreed upon to be bad. Uh, the concern is that he will generalize that lesson and say, "Hey, whenever I think that this is a good idea, I should do it." And like one one way that this could have played out is if he had gone with the idea of killing half the wizen uh, with the Dementor, like that would be him saying, Hey, you know what? This sucks. And then of course a case could be made that he might've done the right thing. You know, they all suck. Um, all the ones that he would have killed. Right. <laughs> um, but we don't, you, you don't really want somebody who has like the power to kill you. If you get on their, sh- if you get on his or her shit list.
1: Yeah. And what about the time that he's equally certain, but entirely wrong?
0: Right, and you know the. I think that it like if you only use your excessive force on unambiguous cases, um, it's like I, I, again, I don't think that bullying is an ambiguous case. You know, sending Hermione to Azkaban probably isn't an ambiguous case, but like it's it's just an unjust court trial that he happens to be you know personally connected and if it,
1: to. Uh, and if it's unambiguous, you're probably not going to be the only person choosing to make that decision. Well, but he's the only person with the power
0: to act on it. That was that was the thing, right? So it's
1: clearly if it was clearly right, then everybody'd be like, well yeah Harry, we were just sitting around waiting for you to do the obvious thing. (laughs) Like if if you're in conflict with other people, then it's not ambiguous. Where where are your views on this,
2: Justin?
0: Sorry. Shit.
2: Um, (laughs) or did Justin take another break? Oh there you are. No no No, I'm here. I'm here. I just I need I need to re like I've been listening to you guys go for a while. I need to hear the question again.
3: Yeah, I was just, I I was raising old ground because I think actually last episode, uh, I think a number of people got a better understanding of some of your views, uh, Brian, but Brian had a somewhat controversial take on uh, Harry's uh, response or or action to help deal with the bullying situation at Hogwarts, uh, Mm -hmm. where he acted not quite unilaterally because Quirrell was there, uh, but be the same person so it is you know <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, right so I I guess I was wondering if you had views on uh, Harry's approach where he does things and I, I think has very good goals uh, though he often doesn't seem to see people as potentially uh people you can actually work with in a true partnership with maybe maybe so Hermione would be an exception to that maybe a little bit Draco I don't know it depends uh, Draco starting to to get smarter or, or at least more rational sorry I'm really not asking a question here
0: am I <laughs> uh, you're, <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're good I just right. I it just occurred to me that uh, multi-mort would be a good name for Justin's hypothesis multi-mort mm multimort. all right that, but yeah I think like in a in a more direct and and broader question, like, is is Harry's conduct throughout the book been something that you're like pumping your fist and be like, fuck yeah, that's awesome, or like, oh come on man, this is annoying,
2: well, or somewhere I, in the I'm, middle? I'm of two minds of it. I uh, generally no, but only because like I take, I th- I think this is Brian's point, and he can correct me if I'm wrong. That he's kind of a dick, and I just don't um, him as a person would be tiring to be around (laughs) and so like you know it's hard to be on his side because he's like he's a terrible protagonist he is such like he's really hard to get on the same level of and uh, you know he's really like he's strident in ways that come off as um i guess (sighs) trying to think of the right words here but he he is strided in ways that he can only be sure that he's correct because the author who wrote him also wrote the book, right so like he can only he's correct in really specific ways sometimes, but the author can cheat and basically make him correct, but it feels like he's yeah. the gun too early in some of his like presuppositions and 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 uh conclusions that like to me don't read as necessarily correct but then end up being correct. Because the guy who wrote him also wrote the book.
1: So- yeah, because like like everybody's intelligence in this universe is somewhere between zero and one point zero Yudkowskis. But, because but, like, you can you can have somebody be super strong and you just say like oh and then he lifted up the car and threw it over the mountain. Uh, but to like show that somebody's super smart, they can all, you can do a hand wavy thing and just say oh and then they did an amazingly smart thing, which is so indescribably smart that I am not going to describe it. But, um, I, but other than that, everybody can only be as smart as the author. Right. Well, t- so
0: I have got a couple of quick feedbacks on that. Like one uh one thing I really enjoy about this is that very often the protagonist does show his work and thereby the author does too. So it's not like and and then he pulled, you know, this this genius rabbit out of his hat and solved the problem. It's and here's every step. You know, like we got that really cool long exeges, you know, that that um exposition dump on the potions uh you know, if he just whipped the potion out in the fight, and we didn't get that cool, awesome, long background of it, that would have been kind of like, "Oh, look, he just thought of this thing." Instead, the author made it—you know—showed the work of like, "Well, I've I've created the universe in such a way. Here's what would follow from that, and my protagonist notices this." Um, I, I do appreciate that about it. And the other thing I was going to say was that, uh, um, shoot, you made two points. One of them was that, uh, oh, about like how you know you're right. The intelligence of every character in the book is somewhere between zero and one Yudkowskis. Um, That is, I think acknowledged at at least once in the book when uh, Draco was talking about, he saw that play with his dad, the tragedy of light, which is based on death note. And his dad said something along the lines of like, well, of course the author isn't really as smart as the characters because otherwise he'd be taking over the world. Like instead of just writing plays about it, Um, like the author is like, you know um, th- this becomes clear when you read like a lot more of like his essays and less of his fan fiction, but the author is very aware of like the self-reflective aspect of this sort of stuff. Um, I-, I did yeah,
1: like, and then like what Justin was saying, like yet it's, it's hard if you're trying to think of this as the one Harry in this book and do you, or do you not like him? Like, so the beginning Harry is an arrogant little dick and the Harry that he's becoming is learning about that and becoming a better person using rationality to, to do it. So you know, like for me, like I do not like the Harry that started, but I like the, the Harry that he's turning into.
2: And um, that transitions pretty well into my second point. So I just wanted to follow up by saying, I don't want to leave the impression that I just, I don't like his tone and therefore I don't like him as a, as a person. I mean, clearly he has a very strong sense of morality and so his i think his ultimate goals are good i do think that it's admirable to want to stop bullying i mean the amount of effort he puts in to stopping bullying even if it's i mean it's not that minor at hogwarts but like it even if it were minor it, it's still horrible i mean it's essentially you know a, a slight version of torture of little children by other children and he he puts all like so much effort towards stopping it. He also is so determined to take down Azkaban that he's willing to risk his life. These are admirable traits, obviously. And so he is undoubtedly awesome in the strictest sense, but he is really, it's hard, like it's hard to get, a, it's hard to get on his level personally. You know what I mean? So like I can end up rooting against him a little bit, even though I know that his aim is true, you know? So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not trying to saying, what you mean by, it.
0: <laughs> I, I was just going to say Go that ahead. I, whether or not like, you know, before whatever the, uh, the fan base says, Justin hates this book and therefore sucks. I'm going to just, <laughs> uh, you, I think, I think you got ahead of that a it's bit. Also
1: probably like a I MLM <laughs> or Oil.
4: In, a, in <laughs> any <laughs> case,
0: forget, forget all that. What I was going to say is that I, I do find that like, uh, you know, so the, you know, me and the people that I, I met who read this book, um, you know, for the most part, they all really enjoyed it. And so it's, it's really valuable to me to see how this comes off to people who aren't already inclined to enjoy it. So yeah, like yeah. that, that, that to me is enjoyable and valuable. Uh, just, just hearing about how this is perceived and how people take it. So don't, yeah. don't think that like any interpretation is wrong or whatever. It just shows how you enjoy your, yeah, your story.
1: I'm, I'm starting to th- think that there was there was a group think in in the way this was sort of read as a team sport that was like I think not at all what Yakowski was on board with that I'd like as we're reading this more it seems like we were not at all you know meant to like sign on for that behavior even in the beginning. I, I still do think there was like just kind of a more a tactical, you know, misread in the level of Harry's douchiness in the beginning. Like it was a little too much. But I think it it wasn't there by accident. Um, and that I think kind of like the everybody collapsing on a common opinion about it started to you know sign off on what should just be by anybody's measure, just clearly shitty behavior and then if you go back and read it, like looking at word choices and stuff, um like that stuff was not put there to be like justified and signed off on it was it's there like it is paying off now as the example of the shitty behavior Harry is overcoming um so I think that like the the groupthink aspect of how it was read ended up having a whole lot of people coming to a very strong orthodoxy around a totally like not at all right way to be reading it.
0: Can you give an example of one of the behaviors that he had early on that he's recovering from?
1: Fucking sentient grass. Like go back and read it. Like there's the wording in the thing is clearly designed to make it seem stupid. Uh, which also just on paper, you should just like know that like, oh, he's like, never mind friend who's going through a hard time. I have to worry about the possibility that grass is alive. And in the next five minutes, it's going to be more relevant than it has been for the last hundred million years. I,
0: I think you're misremembering that that passage. What, ha- what was actually happening was he was worried about that. And then the emotional saliency of his friend or if his friend who was nearer and dearer pulled him away from the, what ought to be intellectually yeah, yeah. the bigger concern.
1: Well, no, but, well, so, so yes, that is what happened. It was that the, like, back when I was paying attention, the peanut gallery was getting kicked back about, like, oh, well, no, it was entirely appropriate for Harry to be ignoring Hermione and worrying about sentient grass. And but I, he, like but he didn't ignore her. Was, well, no, yeah, no. So, yeah, that's, again, yes. So, yes, Yudkowsky knew what the same thing to do was, but, I feel like, the peanut gallery has, like, landed on a number of these, like, Nutty, um, you know, consensus opinions about because no, there were like really people being like, no, Hermione just needs to like fucking wait because what if the grass is sentient? So
3: I, I think my take on this is that Harry has a lot of room for growth, and he does grow as a character, as a person. If you want to view him like that, um, I the so Harry wasn't off putting for me in the same way that he was for you. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a wrong way to read it, but I, I don't think yours is wrong either. And you you've actually changed how I recommend the book to others because I, I think even youkowski thought that uh, you know, give up by chapter, I don't remember what it is, but if you don't like it by then, just yeah, just stop. And that I don't think that uh is actually fair because um You you seem to have grown to enjoy at least some aspects of this, unless I'm wildly miss.
1: No, totally. Well, that's yeah, and that was like my major confusion was was uh, that thinking that well, a bunch of people that have already read it clearly know where this was supposed, you know, where this was going. Like now that we're, what are we like? two thirds, three quarters of the way, way in. I'm realizing like, Oh, like, so yeah, if you're going to try to sign off on everything Harry's doing, then this is a totally, you know, shitty story of comic book guy, but it's not that like like Harry is this totally, like this is a totally super appealing story. And Harry's this really likable character, but not for the reasons I kept getting told. So like my confusion was not, not understanding the, the level to which like, but it like, wasn't a coincidence. So I think sort of like this, like this spontaneous kind of orthodoxy popped up around that had a lot to do with sort of like just maintaining community cohesion. Um, that could be. There that could it, be. That wasn't because it wasn't written in that. You know, it wasn't written as a as a team sport. I, I think um, there are m- the
3: multiple explanations for for what might have happened. So one of them could be some some sort of cohesion. Um, there also could be differences in in something like personality or experience with people like Harry or views of your own pasts that would predispose some people to like him less or dislike him at the start. And so I imagine there's lots of room for, for individual differences there. Um, yeah. I, I do no, have something... It
1: was because like it, it seems like pretty clear that like we are now seeing like Harry introspecting and looking at himself and changing some of these things. And that was like the initial impression what was... Like a lot of the anxiety and and what did seem off putting was like, if this were going to never happen, if we were just going to go through the whole thing and all of that way that Harry was acting in the beginning was just totally fine because he's right, um, then this would be a totally off putting, obnoxious book. But it's not like he's, you know, both the full commitment to the rational approach and just scientific method in general, as well as. You know, worrying about being a good person, and I feel like that's a lot of the point. Is that like those two things are not only not in conflict; they go together.
3: Justin Bryan, would you recommend the book to two friends? So it's far, a tough I
2: know book to recommend. I gotta say, like, it's not not because it's bad. It's just that it's so different. Like, and and you know, like Harry Potter is what it is. It's such a popular series, and he had. Yadkowski has done so much with these characters that most people wouldn't enjoy. Like, I think a lot of people would be put off by Ron not being in the story. A lot of people would be put off by Harry being so different. A lot of people would be put off by Draco making rape comments very early on. You know, like, I, I just don't see the average person enjoying it really. Uh, so, my answer is no, I wouldn't recommend it. I would, but for someone who I thought, like for very specific recommendations, yes, absolutely. But for your average person, I really don't think they would enjoy it, no.
1: I think the average person wouldn't like it, just not so much for all of these, like not for the reasons that I didn't like in the beginning, but just, so if, it, if by average person, we mean like some other super nerd friend of mine, so you, like not at all as a negative at all, but you, I think you have to be like a pretty big nerd to like this book. Um, Valid. Yeah, so just like some random, like you know, just random asshole isn't uh, like this
2: uh, um, by specific recommendations. If I knew someone who was possibly the kind like a neophyte of of rationality, then sure, absolutely, I would. But for like you know, I, I don't know, coworkers. No, at least in my, in my line of work. No, I wouldn't recommend. And I just don't think they would get much out of it, you know?
1: Yeah, I think I would do, I would recommend it kind of similar to what other people have said, but I think also because I still feel like I'm like the neutral party. Like, it's not like, oh, I want you to know about this rationality thing that I'm trying to tell you about. I would say, but something similar, which would be, I'd probably give like more of the hand away and be like, okay, you can read this and he's going to seem like a dick, don't worry, it gets better and that's on purpose. And yes, he's a fucking dick. Like, and I, like, if I think I, if I had heard that, uh, then a lot of my confusion in the beginning w- would have been uh, a lot easier, but then still be like, but you know what? It might even still been similar to what a lot of other people say is that, you know, it, it might still be too much. And if it is too much, then you, you might, might not be able to get over it. But I think, like, if, like, knowing for me, if it was like, If it was like a combination acknowledgement of, yes, that behavior is shitty and you're not supposed to be okay with it, uh, and so hang on, it's going to get better, like that would have helped me a lot in the beginning. Um, So I think, so yeah, so all of the issues I had in the beginning, if I wasn't going to recommend it, they wouldn't be because of that. It would just be about like, okay, are you enough of a nerd to think that science Harry Potter is cool idea? Like that's a very small subset of humanity. But if you're in there, then I think like it's just that little. And I do think like that whole like the tone and Harry's personality beginning. I think is like a legit criticism of of the storytelling and the book. But it's not. It didn't. It doesn't. That it. It's not that it has to be like oh, we have to make Harry likable from the beginning. I think it's just like that. The volume was a little too high. Just turn it a little bit down. But that idea of he starts out with character traits that you don't like. And learns from them and changes himself. I think is a really good story um, to tell, and I, so I think that part of it like should stay there and, and does stay there. It's just like in the beginning, we get we lose a little bit of trust around whether that's really what is actually going to happen.
0: I like those answers from both you guys. I and also Daniel, I think that was a really good question. I think you're a better host at this than I am. Um, <laughs> I very much at that. Well, I don't know. I, I'll say that. I mean, this is I've recommended this to just about everybody I know. Um, and it was more after, like, you know, for for a while, this like my involvement in the quote rationalist community unquote was something I kind of kept under wraps, and I changed my tune on that after reading. Did uh, you a, come out of the closet? Yeah, I came out of the closet about it after reading a short story in the form of a dialogue uh, written by our mutual friend Matt Freeman called "A Dialogue on Rationalist Activism," and I w- it was basically the. It's worth reading. it short. You can Google that title and find it. Um, and it's funny because uh, he's a good writer. But like the, the thrust of it is like, look, if this is actually a thing you give a shit about and you think it works, you should be telling people about it. And it also helps like as far as recommending this book in particular that like almost everyone I know is a fucking nerd. Like I, yeah, I, I, I work fair. as a software like engineer. It. All my friends, you know, all my all my colleagues are nerds. Um, you know, like my my friends outside of work are also nerds like, and I use nerds as an endearing, loving term. Cause I put myself in that same category. Um, Trends here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, I, I don't know. Um, Daniel is, yeah, what do you, I, what do you, I mean, you
2: recommend? That's, that's good. I, I, I just, I'll, I'll interject just quick to say that changes the framing to like, if you were to care about rationality as a, as a virtue, um, I guess that still selects for the kind of people who would actually enjoy it anyway. But, um, you know, that is a good selling point. Like this is. is more about trying to teach you about rationality and how it can improve your life and how to think less wrong and not so much about the story itself. That actually might be a better way of framing it.
1: Yeah, I I'm would, I like would strongly outside. recommend. Not at all a good like proselytizing device for rationality. Um, <laughs> but Also in that... Like proselytizing for rationality is just not a good idea because it's kind of not a very rational thing to be doing. Like, if it's a good idea, people will follow along, and trying to sell them on it is just sort of like pointing to like why does it need to be sold? Um, is there, like, it's like it seems like particularly counter to the the philosophy it's trying to to communicate. So I don't like it doesn't work well. I think because yeah, like as like trying to. Convince somebody to, you know, come on over. I don't. Th- it, I don't think it works very well as that. It's not. It, it, and it's not what I like about it. Like I'm especially. And I don't know if it's just because I'm like already predisposed, which I'm sure that's not the perception of me. But like, there's been almost nothing Harry has said about rationality that has rubbed me the wrong way at all. Um, but it's my react- But I guess it does fall a little flat one because most of it is like, well, yeah, sure, okay. Um, like none of it, it, I guess none of it seems very controversial. And so it doesn't really feel like a, I got, I don't know, I guess I'm sort of like pre-sold. So let me still. play
2: host for a second then. It's because it sounds like you are not appreciating what is ostensibly the entire purpose of the book as a sales pitch for rationality.
1: But yeah, if it's just a sales pitch, then yeah, I don't like, I don't like it as a sales. I, that's not why I like it. And I think like, it's also just sort of like kind of demeaning to the story to just go like oh and we're just trying to like get you to like sign up here so, so that I, that's all well, that's I, I, you know i,
2: I use think, it a little tongue-in-cheek i think it's more about you know just trying to teach people what what rationality looks like in your everyday life and you know so like it sounds like you're more enjoying it as as a piece of fiction and less about the theme of teaching people rationality and that that's just it, it it sounds like you've inverted the entire purpose. <laughs> maybe I guess so. and so uh, I mean, that's just fine, like, but it's just an yeah. interesting take.
1: Well, and I guess like as the the ideas of rationality, like none of the, and it, not at all to like be dismissive of it, but like there's been you know things around the edges, but largely like you know I've heard most of these ideas before, and I even like agree with most of them, and so like maybe to the extent that I differ is that I fail to you know, give as much of a fuck about them as other people, but it's not like, it's not, it's just sort of like, I mean, yeah, there's kind of a lot of good ideas floating around and these are among them.
0: Um, I agree. And I, I think that that rationality en- encompasses the things that consist of good ideas and whatever uh, cognitive and life improvement techniques. Like it's not just, uh, you know, the sequence posts that Eliazir wrote. It's not just uh, Kahneman and Tversky's uh, research on heuristics and biases. It's, it's larger than that. Um, I I was going to respond to your your comment earlier about like it being counter to the movement or like not even consistent with to try and like quote proselytize. Um, I think instead of doing that, I will just uh, recommend that you read Matt's very short story, not a huge investment, called "A Dialogue on Rationalist Activism." Probably take you five minutes to read, and at the very least, you'll understand. If you, even if you're not sold on the conclusion, you'll at least understand where it's coming from. Um, but yeah, like as I think selling this as a uh, You know this this book as behold you will learn the methods of rationality. Um, You know it's difficult, obviously, because we haven't read the work in its entirety to talk about how successful it is at doing anything yet. Um, Like it's you know I mean if you bake two thirds of a cake you end up with a really disgusting dish, right? Um, So you kind of have to finish the whole thing and then see how it it, it feels after that. But like I I sell it because like you know I if I, if I'm, if I'm selling it to my, my friends or coworkers, it's not so much in the vein of like, you know, aha, enjoy the, like this, this is the apex of human rationality and you will, you will enjoy it. And then you will be in the cult. It's more like, um, I I enjoy characters that are smart and not necessarily like book smart. Like they can recite physics papers. I like, there's the trope of the idiot ball, which is where like, we need more story to happen and so someone has to be completely stupid and that, that will put them in a position for the next story pieces to fall in place. Um, you can go to TV tropes and look for idiot ball and it's, you'll find a zillion examples and you'll find them in all your favorite shows. And it's a, it's a device that, you know, is tried and true and it works for a lot of stuff, especially like horror movies. Um, it's played with in the movie, uh, uh, cabin in the woods. Um, like they they explicit, they don't use the word idiot ball but they they essentially throw one at them so they can keep things going the way that they want. Uh, if you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, check it out. Um, yeah, good movie. But like th- this this book and other fiction like it, um, and I don't know if Wild Bow would endorse the comparison, but uh, his works are just like this as well, where there there is no idiot ball. Like everyone's behaving smart the whole time. And if, even if it's not in ways that you agree with, they're doing things that actually make sense to what they want to do. Like, an ex, you know, like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example of the idiot ball that is, like, universally noticed. Like, uh, like Gandalf. Horror, leaving
2: horror movies where yeah, they don't leave. A weapon right after they've shot the bad guy who's come back to life ten times.
0: Every time they don't pick up a gun after they knock out the bad guy, right? Or double tap them as a good example. Or, like... Uh, Gandalf not escorting the hobbits out of the shire saying hey I know there's uh, these you know super powerful demon monsters chasing you and you guys are four feet tall but go ahead and walk 50 miles to the nearest town I'll meet you there no fuck that the powerful wizard should have escorted them right like but they needed not to be there so that they could have the scary night being chased like it it worked for the story to not have him there but it didn't work even for Gandalf's own aims for him not to be there helping that's the sort of thing I'm talking about that never happens in rationalist fiction
3: yeah, I, I think it would be a mistake to underestimate the care with which this story has been crafted. So if things are, have happened, uh, it's worth at least considering that they might have happened on purpose.
0: I think that's another yeah. really good point. And, and this is actually another thing Matt wrote. Um, when he was on the, the retro episode of this, he talked about his philosophy on reading fiction. And one of them is to assume that the author is a genius. He did actually um, like write this out in a short essay, which you can find on doofmedia.com. And uh i you know i i think that he makes a compelling case that giving the author a lot of charity at the beginning doesn't actually cost you anything at worst it makes you maybe enjoy something that sucks a little more than you would have if you went into it negatively and that's like not a bad thing um you know maybe you come out of it thinking oh i was hoping this would go somewhere and it didn't but like more often than not he finds it rewarding and i think i agree with him and uh you know to say that um I think this book has a lot of purposes and you know, and again, it's, it's a book, it's a Harry Potter fan fiction. Like I'm not like, uh, going to die on the hill defending it. Um, I really enjoy it obviously, (laughs) which is why I wanted to spend a year and a year working on a podcast and talk about it for what? 150 hours. Um, like this is obviously something
4: I'm
0: I'm really glad you did. I'm I'm, very grateful to both of you. I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, so like, I, I clearly enjoyed to have that much fun with it, but I'm not going to like die on the Hill and say, this is the most important thing to me. It it was very formative to me. And I do think it is awesome and valuable, but like, it doesn't mean that this is something that I'm unbudging on to say, well, if you disagree with me, you're outside my group. I think that that well, is, let
1: me, well, and what, you, and what you're saying is like different, like that sounds different. And I totally agree with it And the, like wh- how that sounds different is you're saying, um well what I'm hearing you say is there's a rationalist way of looking at the world, and that turns into a rationalist way of telling a story, and this story is different in a specific rationalist way, and I and I like that. And I could totally get on board with that and I can see that too. I'm maybe like not as super enthusiastic about it. But no, but I do like the the ways in which that's different, especially you just like start from the immediate, you know, the 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 elevator pitch uh, for the book is Harry's a scientist and magic has to show its work. And that's just a cool idea and not, and a very sort of rationalist kind of story. You're not just going to get that anywhere. That's not going to be, that wasn't going to be like the eighth book from uh, Rowling, it was going to be like the science version. Um,
0: I think Julia so like Galif totally, said that uh, Yudkowsky takes Rowling's world more seriously than she does. Yeah. And, I,
1: yeah, and I like yeah. that Let's summary forget, of it. You know, and I, yeah, and I and I like that. Clearly, that's true. Sometimes it, you know, sometimes it can grate when it's like, you know, not done well. But but no, I totally like that. And it's definitely like a new, interesting thing. But and that feels different than like if in just trying to think of it as like, oh, this thing is just bas- What then basically feels kind of manipulative? It's like, oh, he's trying. To, like if this is just trying to sell me on. Joining a particular philosophy and picking that tribe, then that is like super unappealing, Um, and and that's and that's like that, and so it doesn't work to do that. And that's also like, and it shouldn't work because you just shouldn't do that. Um, Like I don't think, and I and I don't think you would would want this. Is be like, oh, like rationality should just be a tribal identification, and we'll circle the wagons around anybody that thinks it sucks. Like, so, so I don't, it doesn't work well to be that. And I don't think it should be that. Um, And, and, but, but also like to the extent that it's actually trying to be, and I may be, you know, different than other people, but like just debate for the sake of debate, it just, I find irritating. Um, Like it doesn't feel like I'm like honing the craft of my ability to form, you know, Critical thoughts. It's just like you're just trying to win. So, like to the extent that it's that that it if it felt like oh like we're just trying to have a argument that we're trying to win like that's not appealing at all to to read. Um, and and to, and sometimes it, it did feel that way, especially that like when it like the you know Dumbledore's death is straw man. I'm like you know I'm just kind of not interested in in talking about how other people are wrong. I agree.
0: Um, I think that that's that's the sort of thing that like. I really enjoyed in my late teens. Like i watched a lot of like, this was also the heyday of like the new atheism movement. And so I watched a lot of the debates with like Richard Dawkins versus insert stupid pastor, uh, Sam Harris versus, you know, insert person who's wrong, whatever. Like those, those were there, there's a, a fun in that, but that's not like a, you're not going to win people over with that usually. Yeah. And so I, I agree on that. Like what I, what I'm saying is that I can see how it might be fun to, like for some people to, to, you know, enjoy this from the audience, but it's not like a, it's not a winning over tactic. And, you know, to the extent, whether or not it was handled artfully, you know, like the Dumbledore death Harry uh what I guess immortalist um, <laughs> like if uh, to, the, to the extent that was handled artfully or not, like sometimes having a dialogue uh, for a point you're trying to make, you know, works or doesn't, but it, you know, if you're doing it in a story, that's kind of the only way to have it. Um, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I want to reiterate too. I, I I'm finding that of that
1: really well, like, like how he's, like, what's going on now between Harry and Dumbledore is to like the super appealing way to to be doing that. Where I guess it's again, it's just like toned to, to the extent that it feels like it's just kind of like finger wagging. It's like you know, I don't feel you know, I'm, I'm not going to use my free time to just be lectured by some book. Um, but I, but again, like I think. Like I think Yudkowsky is like consciously aware of that and has brought it into the story, which is super cool.
0: Yudkowsky plays at one level higher than you. Um, That's what Quirrell said when Harry asked him what level he played at. Uh, For those of you not keeping notes on the whole book, I feel bad for our guests. I think that you guys should talk for at least a couple minutes, and Brian and I will shut up for a minute while you guys talk about something. Well, as long as you're having fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah, real podcast uh, with the
3: memories we made along the way. (laughs) <laughs>
0: right uh so
3: that there were a couple things i was I-, I was hoping to to mention and check your thoughts on uh justin do you want to take the lead yeah. uh, what were you hoping to talk about
2: actually i mean i was just here to be kind of loosey-goosey i figured that um <laughs> i would just take the conversation as it comes i uh really enjoyed it so far but um i don't have anything particular about the book to say that i haven't already kind of said i had that kind of sort of grand unifying theory of what the ultimate mm, evil or, or obstacle will be. Um, I did notice the story structure being a little bit odd, uh, but otherwise, I mean, I don't know. I like, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, say anything too specific. I I have enjoyed the book. Uh, I hope it hasn't come off that. I didn't
3: No, Uh, I don't think it's come off that way at all
2: but you know, it, it, you know, it is a, a bit of a strange read and that's why I said earlier, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to most people, but, um, for that specific niche, uh, for, for people like myself, it, it has been, you know, it's hit a lot of the right notes. I did love early on. They, unfortunately, Yodkowski kind of abandoned it and I understand probably why he did that, but he, uh, was pretty intent early on on having harry explore the world um i, I remember of course the the soda what was it the comet tea in the <laughs> That's beginning. right and but yes. then also um what was it that he he transfigured uh,
4: I'm oh the partial but, transfiguration
2: yeah so you know he that kind of stuff actually does stick out to me like uh, you know con- contrasting that with jk rowling's books i mean you know, you said earlier, Stephen, that um, Julia Galef said that Yudkowsky takes the world more seriously than she does. That's obviously true to me because, you know, part of the whole thing about rationality is exploring a world, like literally. And you know, Rowling's books always struck me as, you know, they're, they're just backdrop for bigger themes of of love and and friendship and things like that. But um, Yodkowski actually does delve into world exploring in a way that's just kind of fun that you almost never get in fiction and you know, even though it's the the major themes are more important, and I do appreciate that authors stick to them. I kind of miss some of the more naive and innocent parts of the book where Harry was just kind of seeing what the fuck he could do, you know, but I like that uh, and
0: i I appreciate. The perspective, and I, I guess I didn't say this outright, like people are allowed to not like the book. Um, like I said, I like it, but people are allowed not to. Oh, I am? Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the other thing, like, you know, picking apart uh, magic and having fun with that, like clearly the author enjoys that. And like, you know, Brian and I had that long conversation about whether or not you could transfigure gasoline. Like, to me, that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. If we're ever if we're having this about rolling's it is, it's
2: so dumb, but it's so fun. It really is.
0: That's, that's exactly it. Like if, if this was a conversation about rolling's Harry Potter universe, the answer is like, obviously yes, you can do whatever you want. You wave your wand and it happens. And this one with rules, we have to think about the rules. We got to, we got to bring our lawyer and show our work. And I think that's, that's to me that that just hits all the right nerdy notes.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Agreed. Yeah, it's totally about like, so like the spirit that you approach it. And like, if it's just so sort of like when it is just like that kind of like, in it like, just as a, like that innocent fun of like just entertaining the endless stream of what ifs um that's fun it's when it like turns into that just kind of like bitter little like oh can you believe this stupid plot hole around blah 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 that would never um like it's just sort of you know just hate reading i guess can be fun for a little while but so again like, it's yeah it's, it's just more about like, the it's it.
4: when
2: the when the fucking when the yeah as you keep calling it the peanut gallery does it it's fine when the when the characters in the story do it like when harry insults quidditch for being stupid you know that's fun but it's not fun anymore when everyone just starts pointing out all the little flaws you know that's that's no one has fun doing that um
1: but yeah, Daniel, yeah it's an addiction do it but like <laughs> you realize like you're not having fun doing it anymore but you just can't stop
0: i mean there's like a crappy youtube channel called cinema or uh I think it's a subsection of a channel, whatever cinema sins is like a YouTube series where he goes through and finds quote unquote plot holes of things and like does this big tally of them throughout the story or throughout the movie. And like, that's not a fun way to consume media. Like the the better way to do it is to say, oh man, that was awesome. Or man, that didn't work for me. I would have done this instead. Um, or like, except that, like, you know, you don't need to explain every little plot hole for something to be awesome. Like, uh, you know, I could. I was going to generate a bunch of examples from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I'll spare everybody and I'll push back to Daniel and say you said that there was a couple things you wanted to talk about, um, and then you nicely yeah. handed the baton to Justin. But, but I want to hear what you wanted to, to bring up.
2: I was terrible was like, with the baton. Take it back. No,
0: that's, no, you nailed uh, it. I, I think and yeah, Daniel and I, I haven't been that. able to engage much because like we both know everything, so I can't like ask you a question. We've, with, you know, we've seen
3: everything. We've seen it well, all.
0: Right. So like, I can't ask you, what are your thoughts on this in front of them? Because we you know we, we already, uh-huh. we have, we have inside information,
2: but. That's coming on the morning mm-hmm. content, people. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure uh, something out.
0: So
3: regard, directly regarding the story, I, I was, we haven't talked about this much, but uh, Harry made a choice and it was a hard one and is now dealing with the aftermath of that uh, regarding whether to go to Azkaban or not, uh, with his new phoenix. Um, so I, I'm, I I had I, I found this uh, to be a very hard uh, hard thing to read in that it's a, a painful experience to think that you have missed out fully on on something and that that door is fully closed. Though I think that kind of thing happens in in real life maybe uh, a lot where you, you just there are opportunities that you have and then uh, some of them you never get to explore. I, I was wondering if that really hit hard for both of you or if and i know you already got to talk about this a little bit brian but maybe how about how about for you justin so uh,
2: yeah honestly it, it did because i am like i said earlier with harry's aim being true i empathize a lot with his desire to destroy azkaban it's clearly the worst imaginable place it is a place of permanent torture and so clearly that needs to go Um, and, but I also, that realistic struggle, that pragmatic struggle of wanting more for yourself and not necessarily sacrificing your entire being for one goal that while admirable may not work out, um, and maybe the final and only thing that you do and then end up dying in the process and failing to do all these other great things you could do and, and having Trying to trying to fight that battle of what you could do now versus the foresight of what you may be able to accomplish. I think for the average person, it's probably in their best interest to just go to ask a ban. Like if they were in Harry Potter's shoes, but didn't necessarily, but had their own mindset. Hmm. Um, only because I don't think your average person really actually would accomplish that much. Um, I see. Whereas Harry is a special case. Clearly, the story has made him out to be this person, this paragon of virtue, who could actually be a benefact, a, a beneficial dictator. Whereas that's probably not the case with your average person. I think for most people, it just be an excuse to not do the hard thing. Um, so, but yeah. So,
3: is that where you think the story is going? Would you like Harry to become a beneficial dictator?
2: No, I don't. I mean, it's not about want. I just think that um, he has been elevated in the story by many parties to be the um, I, I, like a savior figure almost where he is both really strong, really passionate, but also really intelligent and really morally conscious. And he's very young.
4: Yeah. So
2: like, you know, in real life, people like that just simply don't exist on the same level that he does. But um, in this, in this book, the driving, end goal seems to be that he is the ultimate savior of everyone. You know? I, I
3: think protector. one of, yeah. I, I, so I, I appreciate that. Uh, and I, I think those are some really good thoughts uh, with what, what the Phoenix saw him do was not uh, go to Azkaban. Right. And, and uh, be. the, maybe disappointed the phoenix so i, I don't I, I agree with Stephen, and i think brian you were on board where um there, there was i didn't get any sense of kind of being looked down on or dismissal or, or not sorry maybe dismissal but just um, not not uh, a negative emotion but just that nope this is not not what i'm interested in um yeah. And you, you mentioned that that Harry is kind of elevated, or, or somebody who could actually do things, um, whereas most people aren't. I, I'm wondering why you think that's the case. And the reason, so I'm, this is kind of a pointed question, because if you look at what people do in the world, you often see them do nothing, which is what the Phoenix saw Harry do. Uh, so I, I wonder to what extent people's inner lives are far more rich and maybe optimistic or... Uh, maybe people have these noble intentions that we we don't get to see, uh, at least put into action.
2: Well, I guess it it stems from my own personal experience. I mean, there is a lot of things that I would love to do and just don't because of fear of the unknown and fear of losing what I have, and and you know, fear of failing. Whereas Harry doesn't seem to have any of these inhibitions, and to the extent that he does have inhibitions, he seems to overcome them fairly easily. And, you know, he has proof evident already that he is, um, like, amazingly good at getting shit done. Like, he he, are, he got Bellatrix Black out of Azkaban, you know? I mean, granted, he had the help of Quirrell, but the fact that he just went ahead and did it, that he succeeded, that no one found him out, as far as we know, uh, really, uh, that, that it's like he can accomplish things most people would never dream of doing. And even if given the opportunity, wouldn't do for fear of what they might miss out on. And he has every reason to think the same things. Yet when he does it, he seems to succeed, which gives him a little bit more of a reason to keep doing it, um, I would think. So like when he wants to go to Azkaban to destroy it, part of me wants him to just do it because it seems clear that he could, you know, yeah. uh, not the least bit you know, at least in part, because again, the guy who wrote the character wrote the story. So very easily he could do that. But, um, it does seem like it would be in line with the character for him to just go ahead and do it and suffer some consequences, but ultimately come out on top in a way that your average person just can't do or won't do whether they can or not.
3: Brian, do you think, um, so I know you already got to talk about this. Uh, it, is there other stuff that's relevant for this? What 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 do you see?
1: So, yeah, I liked, um, well, especially like so after he he's talking to Dumbledore about it, and that he kind of like puts two and two together, and at least like my impression of it was he comes to like a fairly high level of certainty that he just clearly made the wrong choice. Um, and and that sort of like super sincere regret and like like unambiguous regret. Where he's like, wait, fucking come back! I didn't like, I made the wrong choice. And I think at least for me, like I believe, and this like I've been digging through like the distinction between like uh, incorrect and wrong. Um, that he made the incorrect choice, but um, but the what went into the. The choice he made was you know, if you had to replay that scenario a hundred times, not knowing what the outcome is going to be, you want the decision made in the mindset that Harry did make his decision, uh, because you're just going to like that outcome better most of the time. Like, so in this situation, he chose the specifically wrong thing, but at least like the mindset that that arrived there. Um, and I and and that. Uh, and that we got to see like that ambiguity play out between him and Dumbledore. Um, so yeah, I think like what you were talking about, like that sort of like regret around you know life decisions. I think that's sort of that. That's totally what that scene was about. Yeah. Um, I, this is somewhat
3: related, but getting off on a slightly different track. So if is there more that you want to say? I'm not sure if I cut you uh, off. No, no. Um, so uh, this didn't come up last podcast. Uh, I, I was wondering if either uh, either of you had thought about, so one of the uh, pieces of evidence, and maybe you've just dismissed this outright because you now know more of Dumbledore, but one of the pieces of evidence that uh, Draco raised for Dumbledore uh, had to do with the fight with Grindelwald. Uh, I'm wondering if you've thought about that in context of understanding how, how phoenixes work and that kind of what thing. What
1: about... The, what do you mean about Draco? What about the fight with Grindelwald?
3: So I, I think there was something with with uh, if I remember correctly uh, Dumbledore waiting till the possible the, the moment of most advantage and how it was so implausible that he and Grindelwald fought to a this standstill, this epic battle and that uh, Dumbledore defeated Grindelwald um, in this dramatic fashion that gave him power. That, that was uh, a piece of uh, Draco's evidence for Dumbledore being this this awful uh, person that was just seeking
1: for personal gain. That I don't. So, but how was that? How was his defeating Grindelwald evidence that he's just power hungry?
0: The the Draco when he was asking, uh, well, when Harry was getting his background on like what what is the Death Eater spiel, um, he asks Draco like, okay, so what do they say about Dumbledore? And he had said, oh, well, you know, he lists all the things about how apparently, you know, Dumbledore's dad died in Azkaban and um, other all these other things. But among them was that uh, Dumbledore waited until he it would be the most politically salient uh, time for him to stop Grindelwald. And he's like, yeah, if he could have uh-huh. done it, he should have done it earlier. Instead, he waited till it made him look the best. And like, uh, I guess I, I missed actually what question you're going for with there, Daniel. But that, that was the, the scene anyway. Yeah, so I was just wondering if you had more thoughts about that.
3: Maybe you're already. It sounds like you're both pretty pretty on board with Dumbledore not being uh, maybe this uh, troubling character. Though Dumbledore himself seems to have have questions of his own goodness. Uh, so just that you know, some of the evidence that that Draco raised, we actually have updated information on. I'm wondering if you're ever going back to earlier times in the story and thinking about what you know in light of the more recent stuff you're learning.
1: I think I mean that might fit. So I like that didn't stick out much for me. So I wasn't really remembering remembering back to it. But um, I, I guess it could fit in sort of like the like Dumbledore's like you know painful pragmatism around you know I don't like like that he doesn't like you know playing hardball um, and doesn't like the moral ambiguity around it. So I guess it it could fit in that way. It doesn't. I didn't like. I guess I'm remembering it you now, like that feels like sort of a vague enough accusation that it's not really that big a deal. It's all right. You know, it's not like, you know, set Narcissa Malfoy on fire. Mm. Yeah, that, of, that's, that's of the,
0: right. I think that's the better example of, of, you know, Dumbledore being an asshole. Like he might have good reasons and he, he gave Harry his reasons why he didn't attack Grindelwald earlier, but like, that's the sort of thing that you would only put on the, this is why Dumbledore sucks list. If you already had the conclusion, this is why, you know, Dumbledore sucks. Let me generate some reasons it's not Um, like
3: he's going around setting saying people on fire
0: right (laughs) yeah so like that that you know the fact that uh i guess i was getting that that you know the the death eaters have their bottom line thinking of dumbledore sucks and then that goes on the list because it can plausibly go on it but like that's hardly a good reason um Mm -hmm. i was gonna i think we are closing in on almost two and a three-quarter hours like I I think uh, this is actually one I can pitch to everybody. It, you know what is like a if any a, an emotionally salient part of this book for you guys, uh, and I can get us started. Because for <laughs> me, I I mean there's several, and Daniel you'll have to pick one pre chapter eighty five. Um, yeah. But I know you would. But obviously, uh, so like I what I one of the that's just one of the things I really enjoyed about it was you know there are some emotional beats that hit me um, when reading it that I, I never really got. I mean, you know, I, I've been moved by other books and even moved to moved to tears by them. But, um, this one, like a lot of these, I felt like personal connection with that. I didn't know I would find there. And the, I think we had this conversation when this happened, when this happened in the book, but I really loved the, the Patronus scene. And I just saw a, uh, a Reddit thread on r slash hpmor, and one of the, like, it was a, uh, like, what was your favorite moment? And that was a handful of people's favorite moment too. So I, I know I'm not alone. But the and
1: you know, I mean the the first human patronus scene.
0: Yeah the the it 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 seems to find a way to encompass the like the promise of the the spirit of the enlightenment into like a story element, and I yes. I I fucking loved that.
3: Yeah, that's that's one of the so when when i i tell people when they read this that uh so i i mentioned uh, about the nerdiness of it and uh, a, a bunch of other things but i do mention that it has moments of true beauty and that's what's foremost in my mind with that uh when when he first cast the patronus and what what that means um and uh, if i can add in a couple other really emotional impactful so the whole journey to Azkaban, uh not for the same reason but the uh, the the opposite reason just how dark that is and keeping in mind that hopefully things aren't quite that bad but that you know we have people in prisons today that we torture in some ways uh, maybe not hopefully quite as bad as that but still really bad oh, just as bad uh, oh god but, but at right, least I don't... The,
0: the only thing that we don't do only because we can't is Spill suck away their memories. memories yeah
3: yeah. Um, And then this, I I think him turning away his, his uh, Phoenix is another very emotionally impactful
0: place. Yeah. You painted that when you're pitching that question to Brian and, and or I guess, and to Justin in a way that I had never thought of before. And I thought that was really just a beautiful way to think about it, that, you know, we observe people's actions. We don't observe their, their inner dialogues. And so when, you know, people, you said it better than I'm trying to rephrase it, but I loved that. I can't let you get off without saying that. So, um, what about you, Brian, or Justin, whoever wants to grab next?
1: I like, uh, yeah, that scene we talked about. Like that, it reminded me of like m- my own puzzlement at why did seeing uh, Elon Musk stick a car into outer space make me cry? Um, and it's like that same uh, reason. Um, so yeah, that a lot. But I think I guess, and I have talked about that. Um, a fair amount today but like I'm really liking it's not it doesn't click so much with like any particular scene but kind of Harry's um, where Harry sort of butts up against kind of having these kind of uh, raw emotional reactions around like a lot of like um, oh my god my friend Hermione's going to torture prison what can I do like his puzzlement around how does he um, how does he you know negotiate these kind of emotional and moral imperative of what he's going through with all of that kind of specific ambiguities around, well, what's just the right, like, what's just the correct thing to do versus what is the right thing to do? And like having to arrive at that decision, uh, not knowing if he made made the right one, um, I would just like, there's something very kind of um, authentic about it. It feels very uh, like just a, a a struggle arrived at, honestly, um. not contrived. And it feels just very kind of, kind of like it's just a fundamental, I'm trying to figure out the kind of person I want to be struggle.
0: I love that answer. And I'm, I was grinning the whole time because it's the opposite of sen- sentient grass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is.
0: No, I can dig that. How about you, Justin? Have you felt an emotion while reading this book?
2: A couple. Um, one in particular, uh, easily for me, the hands down, most emotional part was after I'm forgetting some of the details again, I, I just read through this for fun. And so I don't remember all the facts, but um, when Harry's explaining to Dumbledore that for about a moment, he really thought because, you know, the magical world that he had stumbled upon that it's possible. I think, what was it? There, there were ghosts around that. It's oh, possible yeah. that his parents might still be around. And, the reason that hits so hard for me, I think, is that it was a chink in the armor for an otherwise for a character who is otherwise like devoted to something like rationality to an extent that he sacrifices his humanity in other ways, like that other characters struggle to relate to him because he is so passionately rational to have that moment where he was like, you know, I actually thought my parents might still be alive because of this, you know, and, even uh, though me of all people should have known better, even though I should have known better than anyone else, I still thought it was, it was a beautiful moment because it showed that, you know, at his base, no matter how much he pledges his allegiance to rationality, and I don't mean that as a, a pejorative, I'm just saying, no matter how much he is a rational being, he is still a human being at his core.
0: I love that. Yeah. And I think the line was, it wrapped up that that exchange by him saying and the other students thought i was crying because i was afraid of ghosts yeah and yeah that that was that was a really good moment thanks for reminding me that one
2: yeah that was my my personal favorite moment in total not just emotional moment but i thought the best the highlight of the book so far for me was that moment
0: that's awesome i don't have much else to to engage with i'm also you know Reminded of the fact that Daniel, you're three time zones ahead of us, so <laughs> well, uh, and, and a half. Right, Daniel. So I've, I'm at twelve oh, yeah. thirty right yeah. now. Jeez. Uh,
3: so Wait, where are you, Daniel? I, I'm in Newfoundland. Are you in the
2: Atlantic Ocean?
3: <laughs> uh, something like that. So I'm on the tip of Atlantis. From if you, so if you, oh, uh, if you look at YouTube uh, right next, next month. Oh, it's a beautiful place. If you want some recommendations, get in touch. Uh, and it's beautiful in the summer too. I'm not sure how easy it is to actually. Get to right now, um, but yeah, drop me a line, and I'm happy to give tourist advice. Yeah, uh, I'm not from here originally, but I've been living here for a past while. There's a grave, uh, grave injustice that I, I was hoping we could very briefly talk about. Is that all right? Yeah. Um, so, from what I understand, uh, you you believe that the right thing to do, uh, Brian, is to say uh, GIF. But instead, you say Jif. Is that right? Because you, that's <laughs> I, because I of you.
1: So, well, like uh, peanut
0: butter. <laughs> I, thank you, uh, Justin. You proved yes, my point. Yes. <laughs>
1: yes so it's pronounced it is pronounced as though it were spelled with a J. So,
3: why why does what the first person did uh, matter? So, if,
1: uh, for the same reason, I roll my eyes in disgust, but accept that the cities of Buena Vista, Colorado, and Lyman, Colorado, are Pronounced that way. So, if if somebody started
3: out thinking something or doing something that you think is wrong, uh, and is there a reason to continue with that?
1: No, I well, so it, it's because of the sort of like silly triviality of the pronunciation that, like, the choice is arbitrary, and it's kind of like I don't actually like give much of a shit. Um, it's. I guess it's more like it's just me, sort of like stubbornly uh, going. You know what? J- the the logical and completely correct, like it totally should be pronounced GIF. Mm-hmm. It just isn't.
4: <laughs> so, um,
1: because the guy that named. I guess because like because the name is so arbitrary. Like there is no right name. Right. It's whatever. And yeah, it's just sort of. I guess what is it about it? I mean, it doesn't really matter. I guess like if I was going to like try to uh, take my own opinion about it too seriously, it would be. Uh, something about throwing a whole bunch of logical arguments over, you know, telling, telling my mom that she spelled my name wrong. Right. I uh, see. Like, you know, he's, like he's the guy, he gets to, na- he gets to name it. He gets to decide how to pronounce and Nobody can force you to pronounce it. Jif, but like, don't tell him he's wrong. He, you know, he made the thing. That's,
0: That's a funny Stephen example. The- my the- name is spelled correctly, with a P, but there's a whole tribe of Stevens that spell it P H. And they're in, they're in good company so Some other, but uh, there are a whole bunch like, of right? lions. I think Daniel, you were trying to make the point that you can notice that something is stupid and that was started for for wrong reasons, but it's okay to change it, which is a nicer way to illustrate this in a in a broader rationalist point than I was ever making because I was just stuck on the emotional salience of the mispronunciation. <laughs> uh,
3: I, I was hoping to get <laughs> Brian to change like first.
1: Some- <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's not. happening. Yeah. Well, um, uh, you, you but, like if there is some sort of like actual cost or downside, mm-hmm. like to the pronunciation of GIF versus GIF, because I'm like totally on board with it. Like it doesn't right. like just fitting the pattern of expectations of how things ought to be pronounced. That you would see that word and pronounce it GIF. Um, so yeah, how about like, like, like a, a good uh, example might be like we're three thousand dollars a day in in taxes. Which, oh yeah, no, we should totally be on the metric system.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the fact doing... that, the that we happen not to be is okay to point at and say that's stupid. We should do better.
3: Yeah. Are, so yeah, I notice you're you're pronouncing words a certain way. Uh, can you say how now brown cow?
1: Who now brown cow?
3: <laughs> you okay, you're doing not not the who knew Brunku. So no, boo. maybe boo. maybe how things uh, were before isn't necessarily how they have to be I, I i know i'm being an asshole right now but uh, i <laughs> if, if are, are you willing to try saying it gif just
1: uh i mean y- y- why because so, sometimes I just, like the super important part of it is like the the triviality of this particular thing mm-hmm. like well, why do you need why so, do you want me to pronounce it so, so, sometimes things are fun. easier There's
3: to try first with trivialities at their,
2: at their podcast player
1: so so
3: uh I think that sometimes there are some things that are easier to try with trivialities. And maybe so just uh, if people assume that something has to be one way, but it's actually better a different way, uh, then I'm not sure if it's worth playing along with. I I guess I don't see the value in, in following the tradition or whoever came up with something just because they happen to be mistaken about. How they were naming it? Yeah, something.
1: but the, the alternate would be like because I'm not going around telling people like you need to stop pronouncing it. Give no, you can pronounce it like, any way you to- want to. to. Tolerate other people's conscious disagreement with with your position. Sure.
3: Uh, so uh, the only reason I'm mentioning this is because it sounded like you thought it should be one way, but we're going
1: with with well, something this, else instead. Actually, I'm just sort of like enjoying the like being contrary <laughs> about it. Like, I actually, All right. like if, that's <laughs> fair too. I guess, so I guess like the only part that like has any sort of like emotional like sincere emotional content to it is just grading against the idea that there is a right way and that the people doing it wrong need to change it. Like this one is clearly like, it's like so stupid and silly. Like And it, and that's like, it's just a fun thing to like have a, oh, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, like, so th- like the part that I would like sincerely like disagree with is, um, is like, I, yeah, I get, again, I guess like just because you have the pretty clear, I would totally agree, like the more solid argument for how it should be done doesn't like mean like you get to win. All right. <laughs> I, I, I think just uh, as long as you're open to questioning
3: tradition i i think that that's
1: <laughs> I like- No, i can't because apparently like i'm a, what an apologist for authority or something like <laughs> no, uh, so or- I,
3: I i want to make sure that well yeah i i guess we'll <laughs> I, I don't want to say anything more i i can neither confirm nor deny that being an apologist for uh, for authority is important <laughs> for it's the most important part of the story that's uh
0: I love it. No, and I think that was a, uh, I, I like what you're trying to do there, Daniel. And it, this was just an example that like, cause it's facetious and fun to play around with GIF and GIF, but like you were, you were getting at like, it's easy to practice the technique of challenging authority on something, in, you know, inconsequential and trivial and like practicing on something that doesn't matter can make you better at it when something does matter. I think that's an awesome connection to make. And I think you're uh, you've got a knack for teaching the, the methods of rationality. Well,
3: I, I don't think. I don't think it worked out so well. So,
1: that, well, not with this. Not with this, <laughs> it's not like this is going to be total inside baseball. Um, GIF is the basis for the whole. Giving up, <laughs> giving up on strict database normalization techniques in favor of eventual consistency and abandoning historical boogeyman about you know acid transactions. Mm-hmm. Was a lesson I had to learn, and I did, and it's better. Very but valuable was that, just that we all need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> all
3: right, uh, I, I appreciate
0: that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think we've reached the end of the. the I do
1: work at a job where you have to like be constantly, you know, constantly. relearning things. Sure. So. Yeah.
3: No, I appreciate that. Oh, uh, I, I meant to say, so social psychology has, and psychology, I, I think in general, has been updating how we do things. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that if anybody had questions about how there were responses to the replication crisis and that sort of thing, um, they're welcome to get in touch. Uh, yeah. And how should uh, they get in touch?
0: That's actually a good way to, to wrap this up. Um, uh,
3: probably on Discord for me. <laughs> I'm Yeah, I'm very much addicted now.
0: Where, where can they find you or how I don't think we've dropped your user <laughs> handle so or the university under. of Bayes yet which to me is just like, this Oh yeah. Awesome, successful branch off of like, I honestly, I need to raise awareness of its existence to the, like there, there are move, there are emotions happening in the rationalist community in small circles that I'm adjacent to, to actually do more cool shit. And I feel like this is a very good example of exactly what they're talking about. Um, so I yeah we got to plug University of Bays which you you started.
3: I'm very grateful for the shout out. So it's very much been a, a joint effort, and Ripple Echo actually came up with the the name for an idea that I pitched, and then he I kind of took it further, and then we had prob- so a whole bunch of people yeah, got involved yeah, and have made something awesome. Yeah no yeah so sorry I'm no yeah no uh it's the Hermione approach right we're we're better together and uh. If people are interested in learning or teaching each other or actually doing things together, uh, the University of Bayes is on Discord, also on Facebook, and we're going to start a podcast. So stay tuned for that.
4: Nice, Yeah, that's Uh, awesome. And
3: all all of this to uh, both you uh, and so both Brian and Steven, because uh, I joined the Bayes and Conspiracy Discord uh, since my emails didn't seem to be getting through to you. Uh, So so I wanted another way, and then I had to create the Slytherin network to get in touch, uh, which was a lot of fun and took up far more time than the initial plan. But it's been a blast.
0: That's awesome. Um, Justin, do you want uh, to plug anything or do you want people to leave you alone?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have anything to plug. Uh, I don't mind people not leaving me alone. Um, I'm at the ego's last stand on the Beijing Conspiracy Discord if you want to send me a message, I don't know why you would other than that. I'm a cool fucking dude, but, um, really but you know, uh, no, I don't really have anything to plug. Uh, I loved you guys. Uh, thank you very much for being on, uh, for inviting me on this podcast. It was a fantastic time. And, uh, yeah, this is exactly why I wanted to be a member somewhat, at least of this community is I love this kind of shit.
0: That's awesome, man! I'm stoked to hear it. Honestly, we should find a way to do more group episodes. Like not every the episodes. Um, we'll, we'll,
2: I'll be back on. Damn it! I like doing well, this kind of shit.
3: Also, just like, just for go
2: ahead. Sorry, sorry, go ahead.
3: I was just going to say the basin conspiracy. I've had so much fun on that Discord. I, I've annoyed some people too, but I, I mean, I, I've had a lot of fun. So it's I mean, an awesome community, though. I think Brian's had his frustrations too.
1: <laughs> well, probably, Dennis, you're just like super, you know, grating and, <laughs> you know, obnoxious and, and inconsiderate. I, well, it's like.
3: I, apparently, I have a failure mode that comes across in text more than voice. At least I hope so. <laughs> so if any any people that I've annoyed are listening, uh, I'm so sorry. That really, really How wasn't. Have
2: you annoyed my... people. You are like the least annoying person I've ever heard speak.
3: Uh, yeah. Thank you. I, I think the maybe that's the of discord. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that this, <laughs> is Too uh, I like, there, there are a handful of people that are, you know, able to read sarcasm or insincerity into stuff where it doesn't exist. And that's really easy to happen in text. And this is just a lesson in, honestly, charity towards the people you're talking with, like, you know, and, or the stuff you're reading, if we're talking about books, cause we're trying to talk about a book here. Um, like, you know, it, in general, don't assume someone's being an asshole. Um, like that—that's one of my go-tos. You know, it's so often it's easy to assume that someone's being a you know a jerk or something when more often than not, that's just not the case. Now, obviously, you can throw counterexamples of me at me of whatever. You know, r/slash tales from retail where people you know who work in the service industry get shat on by customers. Those people are jerks. Don't get me wrong, jerks exist, but you're you're more likely to bump into people who uh i think i think false positives are a thing that people have so whatever screw all those haters and nerds um the the, the basic discord has has its ups and downs um so does the doof discord i mean it's just online communities have their their factions and their uh their proclivities and you got to just take them as they go or do what you did and say hey i gotta go take the coolest parts of this and go make my own thing and have all the cool shit and none of the I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think you you jumped off because ours sucked. You jumped off to do your own no. thing because we weren't doing enough. I, I, and we don't have hosted lectures on ours. We don't have uh, guest speakers doing recorded sessions on education sessions. Like all this cool, tight shit that I wish ours was doing. Yours is. So so I, that's awesome. I,
3: I, I'm I'm grateful and I uh, yeah I'm really grateful for the shout out. Uh, I'm really happy with the community that that's growing there and that it's already seems to be working really well. Um, Just to be clear, I really love the Bayesian conspiracy uh, as well. So I think it's an awesome discord server though. So you can talk to people. I I, I've never come across a place with as many interesting, intelligent people with as many diverse sets of beliefs about uh, all kinds of different things who are, but, but are really doing a good job of overall of talking with each other uh, about it and arguing about it in, in a good, in a good way. Um, so I'm, i really like the community that, that I have going where we're trying to be a real university in, in the sense of the intellectual community. Uh, it's not, so please don't sue us. We don't have, we're not a, a university that you can get a degree at, uh, yeah. but you don't, we're not yeah, right. Yeah. We're not taking your money. So, uh,
0: anyway, no, that, that's um, awesome. it, yeah, I mean like our, our discord server or the Bayesian conspiracy one, rather, uh, we also have the Doof the doof server, which, um, that's that right. has its yeah, own I'm on origins too. and norms and it's a different vibe uh but yeah the, the basic conspiracy one like we have we have the norms of discourse that we all basically agree with but we are so far from like a hive mind you know like it's possible to say oh yeah reddit would think this and be mostly right um and reddit is a community of whatever many millions and like the basic conspiracy one whatever your position is on anything you can find fun disagreement and uh I, you know, just because again, I've got to be fair to the, to the doof, uh, uh, audience. Like I, I don't spend much time. I I basically just don't have the bandwidth to, to, uh, check out all the things on the, the doof server. And like my other main thing is that the conversation goes too fast because there's too many people. There are also fewer people on the Bayesian conspiracy discord, which makes it easier for me, the lazy person who can't follow like a 30 messages a minute conversation um like i see that on some of the more active uh channels on the doof one and i'm just like yeah i i don't even have the effort to try and keep up with this so i mainly just lurk on my couple of channels but they're they're a great community over there too i wasn't putting it down i was just saying it has different norms and uh and origins but it's also like a faster paced community which doesn't happen to like pan out for how i can possibly cope with it but that's just my problem not a problem with it so um that reminds me we have a server that you can access on the uh, uh doof media website if or on the doof media whatever platform if you sort of send a buck a month to the patreon uh that we have set up at patreon.com slash doof media um i i know i say this every time but do check out all the cool shit they're doing over there go to doof media just look at the home page and scroll down and look at the, the different episodes on different podcasts. A lot of them are serialized things like this. A lot of them are uh, like variety shows where they are covering... You, usually, it's it's all media something with the like obvious cool... Or not the obvious, the, the cool salient difference exception of uh, Do the Right Thing, which is a writing podcast, which I still haven't done. Sorry, I will get on. I will write a short story, I promise. Um, I wrote one short story once and... I just I don't have a good knack for it, but that's not a good reason to try. So um, anyway, check yeah, out their yeah,
2: stuff. An analysis podcast, of Stephen short story. Oh my god, there is an analysis podcast of this podcast.
0: <laughs> Wait, what? Are you you haven't heard of the?
1: Know does, oh damn! No, does I, I haven't I checked that out. Waiting for me at the end of the year to.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean,
2: it's 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 the ultimate in nerd rage. I think
0: I think I think that there was an episode of a podcast about that podcast, or just someone talked about doing one. All right, which would have been hilarious because this is a podcast about a fan fiction, which is about a you know regular fiction story. So I think that's four or five levels of meta, which is too too many. So um, (laughs) one podcast higher than you, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. I I will give a friendly reminder as well that we are doing only chapter eighty-five next week, which I think is the longest chapter we've covered so far, and to. Send anything you want to the fan art contest. It's my, you know, don't don't settle for my lame excuse of not being a writer to not do something. If there's something that you want to, if it's a cool stick figure or a, um, you know, if you have a, if you like making sculptures or carving wood, do something fun. Go nuts. Send us pictures of whatever you got and uh, enter into the contest to try and get your hundred bucks.
3: And j- just wanted to make sure you heard, uh, you heard Justin mention it's actually 86, uh, chapter 86, not chapter 85. I think he's wrong. Uh, Let so me chapter eighty-five, I think ends. Okay, I'm pretty sure because I just finished before we start talking. Listening to oh you.
0: heck, I think. Oh, wait, sorry, it is chapter eighty-five. We haven't. Uh, I'm pretty haven't sure I heard ready. you talking about uh, prof, uh, profits oh. in other. La- or, yeah, we People, did. Sorry, eighty-five. Whoops. Oh, thank you, Justin, and. Uh, Daniel, for pointing this out, well, I, It was a
2: little too late for me. <laughs> I no said no. it and you steamrolled me and then <laughs> called me out for being wrong.
0: No, <laughs> I am. I'm the first, I was completely mistaken. No one read chapter 85 again unless you feel like it. Uh, 86. I don't know how I got those mixed up. I know I should host a yep. podcast.
2: It's Doof, 59. here's my pitch get rid of Steven. I'm hosting it. Oh, now. no, this. oh man,
3: <laughs> I don't know if I'm done with that. Yeah, I, so you, you yeah, sense. we can we can do our own to. podcast. Actually, if you want to do the university base one, we can do that.
2: Oh sure, all right, we can do that. <laughs> all right, cool.
0: Well, I'll listen to it. That sounds like a lot of fun. So, I think we have satisfied our listeners by hitting the three-hour mark. So I'll wrap up <laughs> and join us next week for chapter eighty-six.
1: Thanks for being on, guys. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, great. thank you.